Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mic check one, two, one, two. We are in the building. Hello, world, and welcome into Toxic or Nah. Toxic or Nah, this is the first time we're ever doing this show. I'm so excited. And pretty much the, the point of this show is to talk to men, black men, about things that are going on in the world that we do not often hear the black male perspective on. So we have a, a, a wide array of panelists tonight. I actually have 12 different young men from all around the country who are going to be talking about these issues that are going on in current events. We're going to get into some fun stuff. We're going to have some serious stuff. We're going to have all kinds of stuff. But tonight, it's going down. And I'm going to go ahead and bring my first group of panelists on. And when they come on, I'm going to have them introduce themselves. Yes. And my panelists for the night, check them out. We are here, baby. Welcome, fellas. Salute. How y'all doing? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> all right, all right, all right. Starting with uh, Maurice Simmons. Please introduce yourself to the audience. Hey, how y'all doing? I'm Maurice Simmons. I'm from originally from Brooklyn, New York, but I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. And I'm a barber now in Florence, South Carolina. And um, it's good to be on the show. I hope to, to learn and, and share and listen to the other brothers, man, and see what we can come away with. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Maurice Thomas, what you got? I'm Maurice Thomas, originally from Charleston, South Carolina, now now residing in the Gastonia area. Um, I'm a elementary school assistant principal, and I'm a podcast host as well, a couple of podcasts, Thought Tackling Unemployment Line, uh, and I'm just looking forward to the conversation. All right, make sure now, fellas, if you got something to plug, we're gonna make sure we plug you for you get out of here. Oh yeah, go follow me on YouTube. Go check out my YouTube. It's called the Barber Mosaic. Really dope channel. We'll do a lot of stuff. <laughs> all right, all right. Maurice, you want you got something? You yeah, throw up tackle. Uh, that podcast is on Apple Podcasts, and the Unemployment Line also on Apple Podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Uh, American storyteller, go ahead, Mr. Damon. All right, I'm Professor Damon Lamar Fordham. I'm the professor of history at the Citadel and Charleston Southern University author of three books, uh, YouTube host of the American Storyteller, as well as a Black History Tour Guide in Charleston, South Carolina, native of Spartanburg, South Carolina. Thank you so much for joining us. Join Thank you for joining us. And uh, we got Sean back in the building. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Sean. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? My name is Sean, Sean McGowan, originally from San Antonio, Texas, residing in Atlanta, Georgia now, father of two. Uh, my career is construction safety, um, looking forward to the talk tonight, the discussion panel with you, gentlemen. See what we can put on the table and get out in the air into the environment. Absolutely, absolutely. And last but definitely not least, Omar, hit him. Um, name Omar Johnson, 32, originally from New York, living in South Carolina for a while. Um, working in the medical field. Here to help my big cousin out to see what kind of information we can get from all of this from all of this good stuff that we got going on today. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think, so I, I was thinking about the way I wanted to, to introduce them, just to give you guys a, a, a um, idea of how this, this forum is actually gonna work. All right, so this forum is gonna work as so. So we have six topics that we're gonna discuss tonight, and each topic is gonna, we're gonna have each panel that, that we have is gonna discuss two topics, right? Each panel is gonna have their own two topics we're gonna discuss. So I'm. Wondering if we should throw the softball out there first and then get into the hard stuff. That's how I'm thinking we're gonna do it. So we're gonna start with Takashi Six Nine. 
right? I want to start with Takashi Six Nine. Um, for those who don't know, I know, I know Damon. I know Mr. Damon. I got you. I got you. Trust Look, me. I, I, you, you that's got below you. my age, there, bro. I know, but, you, but I, <laughs> I, I know what you do. I know what you do with words. Let help me help you. Help me help you. All right, all right. So um, Takashi Six Nine. For those who don't know, he's a rapper. Um, who, who you know is from the New York area? Um, he got affiliated with 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 some gang bangers in the uh, the, the Treyway gang in, in New York City, the Bloods, and um, he went. He, he uh, ended up getting uh, some charges, and as opposed to standing doing his time, you know, as, as people would expect you to do in, in, in gang culture, um, he decided to get on the stand and tell everybody. Um, my question for you is this: I want to start with what are your thoughts on that 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 topic what are you, what are your thoughts on takashi um and i'll i'll start with uh marie simmons um well there's there's a lot uh-huh so, when we talk about the situation right the first thing that i would want to address is the gang culture right and how it it's made its way from the la area to all over the country all over the world that's the first thing we have to address then is the snitching aspect and me I have I have um, uh, my own dealings with that because when I was a young man, I, I witnessed a crime, and I was arrested for the crime because somebody said that I witnessed it. Mm. So when the police questioned me about the crime, I did what I learned growing up in a neighborhood and said that I didn't see the crime. And if I did, and I said if I did see the crime. I wouldn't tell you anyway. <laughs> and because I said that, because I said that, I got charged with misprison of a felony. It means I may have committed a crime. I may have taken part in the crime. I knew about the crime, but when the police uh, uh, asked me, I didn't aid them in the investigation. So I went to prison for not snitching. Wow. So I said myself, I'm a, an authority on not snitching. Uh-huh. And I can tell you, if See, this is different between calling the police because somebody did something wrong to us and snitching. And uh-huh. I think in our community, yeah. we, put, we put it all together. We put it all together. Any any interaction you have with a police officer, you will snitch. And that's just not the truth because out there, I could have been a victim just like anybody else. Somebody started shooting and we all ran. But because I was on the scene and I and I grew up in the area, they arrested me too. And I didn't I didn't tell what I saw. So I went to prison for being outside. All right, so Maurice, can I ask a question? Can I interject and ask a question? Yeah. If if given the opportunity again, would you have done things different? No, no. And I explained to the to the officers why. If you saying that I that I saw somebody kill somebody, do you don't you think I would be scared that if I tell who did it, they would kill me too? Mm. Right. See, a lot of times right. they think just because we grew up in the community, we are immune to the the people to, that are to, doing what's wrong. Right. So I know I would protect my family and do the same thing again. Okay, so let's so let's let's so the idea of snitching, right? So the idea of snitching in in this culture, in this gang culture. Um, first of all, do do we as black men? Because this is this is a forum that we're talking to black men about these topics, right? One, the confluence of those two different issues when we're talking about witnessing versus being a snitch. The way I always talk to my students is tell my students is snitching and witnessing are not the same thing, right? If I'm a person who's outside when a crime happens and the police say, did you see this crime happen? I say, yes, I saw the crime happen. I'm not a snitch. I'm a witness. If I help that crime to happen, 
and then I get caught, and then I say, oh, they also were doing this crime with me. You should go get them too and give me a lighter sentence. I am then a sick. Those are two different things that we do not make a, a draw a, a distinction between. And and so in the gang culture, um, these gentlemen, and this is the problem with this is my understanding with the whole Takashi thing, is that Takashi told on people that he was committing crimes with. Right. Let's talk about I want to stay, I want to stay in that realm as opposed to part of it. Um do 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 first of all, were you upset with the idea that Takashi would get on the stand and tell on his, his co-defendants. Um, and I'll go with Maurice Thomas. Well, personally, no, because you, you got to separate the difference between, uh, we were talking about gang culture versus what he was doing, which is pretending to be a part of gang culture. This man had no affiliation with any gangs whatsoever before he started to popularize himself as a musical artist. So when you put a person who's pretending and acting and perpetrating like he's a member of this gang, you put him on the stand after he's witnessed so many things or participated in things and he's been kidnapped and threatened. I don't blame him for snitching at all as long as he's gonna keep that same energy when he's, once he's gotten out. Since he's gotten out, he's fessed up to the whole thing. I'm a snitch, I'm a rat, you can call me what you wanna call me. And as soon as people figured out where he stayed, he moved. He is not trying to be a part of that life anymore. He just wants to be a rapper. Mm. I, I, and I, 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 a rapper. Yeah, so uh, uh, Sean, Sean Mack, what you got on that? Man, I agree and disagree with with a, with a few statements that were made. Uh, mainly, mainly um, from my point of view on it, if you're doing a crime with somebody, right, and um, and you get caught, and you implement somebody else to get a lesser sentence, that's in my opinion, the definition of what snitching is. Just the yeah. same thing to, to echo what you said, Ray John. Yeah. Okay, um, I don't agree with what um, 6 9 is doing. I don't agree with any of it from the very beginning all the way to the end, mainly because you have, it's a certain connotation that, that's being put into the environment with growing up with morals. And not only morals, but um, just standards in life, period, man. You know, um, if you're going to try to be about that, then you're supposed to take whatever consequence comes along with that. I don't agree with taking food off somebody else's table because I was caught up, you know, and we were all in this together. That's just me personally. You destroy families, you destroy lives. Just take your lick, take your, you know, your consequences for whatever it is that you were involved in and, you know, grow from it. Try to try to change or whatever. But um, implementing other people and bringing other people down because you're falling, nah, I never really agree with that. It's just... All right. It's, it's all right. That also... On the with, with, that, with that too, you also got to get to the point where you got to be mature enough to know the company that you keep Definitely. you know what i mean like yeah. if you know that you hanging around certain people who be who who are into a certain lifestyle or do certain things you got to realize me hanging out with this friend it's a possibility that this might happen mm. me being around this person so right. like that's just a that's just a chance you gotta that's just a risk you're willing to take being a man you know what i mean and i don't condone what he did at all but listening to his reasoning, I understand why. I don't agree with it. Yeah, I don't so agree with none of it. Like you yeah. were part of it, so you need to take your lick and ride. 
Now, I, I would definitely want to get into that part of it. So let's talk about the, the additional, and I'm, we're not going to stay here too long, but I, I want to talk about the additional implication of the situation. So, you know, yeah. So, you know, his whole thing was, yeah, I snitched on them, but you have to consider what I went through in the situation. You know, they, they, uh, they was having sex with his baby's mom. They were robbing him pretty much of millions of dollars. Um, and, and they, they beat him up in the middle of the street. They, they were like, they were on, they caught, they were caught on, uh, on, re on recorded, uh, kidnapping, kill him. They tried to kidnap him or something. Should, like yeah. That. Should you well, stay they, they loyal? Should, should, you, should you stay loyal to these people, even though they're in this lifestyle that maybe, you know, you're representing this thing. Should you stay loyal to those people? And I'm going to throw that to Mr. Damon. I, I, I want to hear what you got to say about that. Well, you know, to be honest with you, I'd really rather defer this section of because, I, you know, like I said, I'm a little bit uh, above that generation. Uh -huh. So I don't know Takashi from Adam's house cat. So I'm just here to listen to this part of this. No, but but I but I, I actually I'm interested in your in your in your idea of because you are of that older generation. So you came from a time, right. a different time, you know, and, and you know, in the way people handle things. Um, if that were to happen, you know, to your grandson or to your son, and he came to you and said, Dad, I'm in this situation. Yeah, yours. Yeah, you. And uh, he comes to you and says, Dad, I'm in this situation. You know, I'm in this gang. And, you know, they're offering me this time. And these people are, are, are actively trying to harm me. They're actively taking money from me. Would you suggest that I take the stand oh. and, 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 and defend them? Or do, I, or do I defend myself? Well, first of all, I don't see where you would have any loyalty if people did that kind of mess to you. Right. It's just, I mean, that's just clear cut as far as I'm concerned, mm -hmm. because, I mean, you know, I taught in jail for three years and, you know, I saw a lot of things and all of that. And that whole idea about, quote unquote, honor among thieves, that's nonsense. It just doesn't work like that in real life. I mean, the bottom line is no matter how much loyalty you claim to a certain set and all of that, when it comes between your freedom and you know what happens to these other people? Nine times out of ten, people are going to sing like mockingbirds, pure and simple. But especially if you go so far as to torture and kidnap and all of that, I mean, there's no loyalty to that to begin with. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. So, so I. Anybody else got anything on on the on the the the? Uh, go ahead. I see you, uh, Maurice. I think it, it, it's only right that we that we talk about this part of. The accountability that we can oh, show right. our brothers to not even get in those situations. Yeah, yeah right. Definitely. Right. That's right. the key. That's the key. Right. That goes. That goes with the truth. Right there, you got to know. You got to get to get to a certain point where you're a certain age. Like everybody, everybody goes through stuff, and everybody does childish and immature stuff when they're growing up. But it's like you got to get to a certain age where it's like, okay, now it's time for me to put on my big boy pants and tighten up. Like, how long are you gonna be doing the same dumb stuff forever? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the idea of gang culture in and of itself. And I, you know, I don't know how many of you guys have experience with gangs or with gang culture, but the fact that our young black men are continuing to fall into these traps of, of joining these gangs. Um, I, 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 this isn't, this was not a part of the topic, but I think this is a good place to go with it. Um, what oh, yeah. do you think is, what do you think our, 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 what's the, what does it say about our culture that our young men continually fall into the traps of joining gang culture? Wait, let me say something about that, okay? Yeah. First of all, I mean, I understand the emphasis of that among black men, but we got to remember that the gang culture in America is not unique to us 
or did it begin with us yes. in the first place in this country? So we have to get that uh, perception kind of cleared right away. But now, but specific, but specific to what you're saying, a lot of that, and this is going to somewhat tie into what you're going to talk about later with the whole toxic masculinity thing. Now, it is true that young men without the right constructive role models are more inclined to get into this type of thing. But you have the situation like with a lot of guys that I grew up with who mm -hmm. did grow up middle class, who did grow up with two parents, who did grow up in educated homes, but yet they had that attraction to that street life and confusing thuggery with masculinity and getting into that. So mm -hmm. both aspects of that have to be addressed as to why would, I mean, like I said, I understand. I don't condone, but I get how a young person without the right type of guidance could uh, get caught up into that. But we also have to ask ourselves, what is it that causes young people with the right type of guidance to walk away from that and get into this stuff? Yeah, great question. Great question. Anybody got anything to add to that? That's a really way, good way to go. To, it leads us right into our next topic, so I'm good. I'm good with that. So I think, I think that's I think that's just people trying to fit in. Yeah, I tell people all the time, it's okay to it's okay to be different. Be yourself. There's nothing wrong with being yourself. I see you. Mark, people want people want, people want people want to fit in so bad that they that they that they grasp on the closest thing that's near them, and sometimes yeah. it might be that gang culture or that street life or whatever it is. And that's what they see. And they see what comes along with it. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But for the most part, when you want it, when there's something that you want, you don't look at the negative in it. You only look at the positive in it. So mm. they could eliminate the negative and they just looking at the fast money, the, the lifestyle, whatever it is they may be. And they, and they just grasp to it. Awesome. Awesome. Yo, so just, just a point of housekeeping. Uh, one of the guests said, make sure that if you're not speaking that you put your mic on, on mute because you might be getting some feedback um, if you're not speaking. So thank you so much for, for, for that. Um, I see some comments. I wanted to go over some comments before we move into the next to topic. Um, we have Dustin Rhodes. He says it's hard for people to comment when we haven't been put in that situation. We don't know how we would react if we were facing 70 years in federal prison. That's, that's what brought the mafia down. People not want to spend the rest of their lives in prison. I mean, as somebody who, you know, stays, somebody who does not, one thing that's always kept me away from a life of crime is the fact that I know I could not handle jail and I don't want to go to jail. So I stay away from it. And I tell kids all the time, if you can't take jail, don't do crimes. Stay away from it. There's nothing that says you have to do I can crime. Tell you that. All right. So you know, if you can't do the time, definitely do not do the crime um, for sure. Um, let's see other comments. Montreal Jones, he says, uh, what, what if, that's the world that you were brought up in. Where I'm from, we, we don't have many gangs, but there were neighborhoods against neighborhoods. And that's absolutely true. And that, that is a form of gang culture. Anybody got anything to add on that? The thing you gotta remember about gang culture, a lot of it is just guys looking for a sense of community. So you trying to fit in with the guys around you. If the people around you all go out and on the football team, there's a high probability you'll start playing football. If everybody yeah. around you is involved in gang culture, whether you want to commit crimes or not, you want to be able to fit in with those who are around you. And that's how a lot of our young boys get brought into that. It's mainly just to fit in and then you start finding out what the gang is all about. And by that point, it's too late to just decide, okay, I don't want to be a part of it anymore. Yeah, man. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Um, neighborhood to neighborhood. Shoot, if you lived, I don't know how many y'all from Charleston. I, I, I know uh, 
I'm from Charleston, and like where I, I lived, West Ashley, and there was always like the gardens versus, you know, or some Orleans gardens. Orleans, gardens, yeah, the gardens, you know, the gardens. Hey. The gardens. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, but like you know, Dorchester Road versus the Macon, Ackerby versus Eight Mile, or whoever in whatever area you live in. I mean, that's where a lot of this gang culture stuff comes in. Now, it it just so happens. That we also um have other things you know going on as far as as far as cities versus cities you know when you live in, in uh if you live up up north um Maryland versus what's up well Baltimore versus DC like th that's a real thing people just don't genuinely like each other because of the place that you come from and and the, you know so Charleston versus Columbia who I said Charleston versus Columbia I never wanted to fight anybody because they're from Columbia. Anybody? Anybody <laughs> I, I didn't know that was a thing until I got to college. That was really a thing in college. Like, and you talking about college students, yeah, supposedly educated, yeah. arguing over I'm from Charleston or I'm from Columbia, and actually getting into actual fights about it. Um, that yep. is something that exists. So, so let's so, let, so I think that speaks to a lot of the things that I want that like this next topic that I want to go into, which is toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. Um, so this idea is something that's been really talked about mostly by women from what I've seen. I haven't seen one forum where men were talking about toxic masculinity. And that's why it was so important to me that we talk about that here today on Toxic or Nah. Really, that's one of the reasons that I call the show Toxic or Nah, because I want to talk about things men have been viewing as, 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 as ways of life that may not be necessarily the best thing for us. Is it toxic for us to think this way or not? So I, I wanna start with the definition of toxic masculinity. In your words, what are to what is toxic masculinity? I'm gonna start with Sean because he hasn't said a whole lot you know, during this segment. All right, man. Um, basically, uh, to me, what toxic masculinity basically is, is when you try to conform to a standard that's really not what you, what you're built on, what you, you, you know, your natural you, yourself. Um, and it, the, it's sort of like the gang culture, what we were talking on earlier, or what you guys were speaking on earlier, that need to fit in. You know, um, well, the peer pressure, uh, so many different angles that can pull you from just being you. Like um, the gentleman earlier was talking about saying, um, it's nothing wrong with being different, right? So that, a lot of that is a lot of that is so many. And then growing up without guidance or without basically um, some type of uh, some type of real a, a real standard to, to grow from. Like I was talking on earlier about the morals, all of that. When you when you don't have that and you have none of that in your life, you seem hollow, so to speak. And man, it's your, your masculinity you start reaching out for things and, 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 and chasing after things and, and it's toxic basically. Okay. If, All if, right. if, if you can understand what I was getting at. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Maurice Simmons, what you got on that? I, I would, I would say toxic masculinity to me is anytime I use the fact that I'm a man to get more than my fair share of something, you know, mm. when I use, when I use my manhood, and the fact that I'm a man to 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 get more than I than I deserve. Like when I when I tell my wife, no, no, you're gonna listen to me because I'm the man and I pay the bills. Or or just and, and, and funny thing because when, when women do it, we call it something else and they get away with it. But that's something that we we, we can't get away with that. That's something that we can't get away with. No, and, and, and 
No, I love that you said that. I love that you said that because of the fact that one, here I want to talk for real. Like I, I don't. I, I really want us to to really really get into it. I want us to really really dig in because so many times when we get into these forms, and not of course not in a disrespectful way, where you know we're you know, but definitely I want us to have this talk. I want us to talk about these things because so many times we're not able to have this talk in a real way. Um, right. I'm, I will give you the um, definition that I got from the New York Times of toxic masculinity, and it's an article um, in the New York Times says what is toxic masculinity. <laughs> So it says, um, toxic, toxic masculinity is what can come from teaching boys that they can't express emotion openly and that they have to be tough all the time. That anything other than that makes them feminine or weak. Yeah. Anything, anything involving your emotions makes you feminine or weak. How does that impact us as men? I'm going to go to Damon. Okay. Uh, please, uh, please respect my title, okay? But um, I apologize. I think that Okay. All right. But uh, I think that a lot of that has to do with two things. It's a combination of what you just said about being taught the wrong idea of what it is to be a man. Because first of all, we have to realize that when you're young, all you know is what you're told to begin with. What you see and what you hear, that's it to life when you're young. So if you're presented with that being the idea of masculinity, that's what you're gonna think. And there's the other factor too of misdirected anger. Because mm. what you, we see, because what a lot of us as black people in general see is that our elders were angry and bitter over a lot of what they experienced back in the day when you had the Jim Crow and the segregation and the lynching and all of that. And they passed that, uh, do you know, uh, do you know Mr. James Campbell, who used to uh, work with Malcolm X back in the day here in Charleston? Okay. Well, he has a phrase for that. It's called the culture of despair. Mm. When us as black people, we grow up around adults who are very pessimistic, have a constant uh, conspiracy theory view of the world and so forth. All of that anger and bitterness. And then when you have the mothers who may be upset over a relationship that goes wrong, that factors into it too. So mm. young people grow up seeing all that anger and bitterness and so forth, along with this idea of uh, manhood being akin to, for lack of a better word, thuggery and all that. That makes this a very toxic combination that leads to toxic masculinity. Mm. Mm. Uh, Omar, you just came back in. You just came back in. I want to go to Maurice Simmons because he has something on this topic. I'm gonna come back to you. I'm gonna come to you, Omar, after that. All right? We're talking about toxic masculinity. And I do want to like clarify that toxic masculinity is not something that only men can pass down and matriculate to each other. Oh, yeah. like, this definitely, is the, answer that the women. My, my mother told me when I was eight that I was the man of the house because there was no other man there. And I took that with pride. And I, I'm the man of the house. And I mean, we used to in the grocery store. She had a big booty. And I used to stand by it and make sure nobody talked to her and looked at her. <laughs> and when guys would come to the house, I would, I would, I would curse them out, and I would be rude and disrespectful to the guys. Mm. And some of them, I'm sure, were good guys. And I would, I would, when they call the house, she ain't here, boom, and not open the door for them. And I'm sure later on, well, later on in life, I blame where I was by the fact that I never had a decent father figure. Well, mm. I might have ran them all off with my behavior when I was a, when I was a child because I was taught that that's what a man's supposed to do. You're supposed to own your space, own your area, and control yeah. it. And I learned that before I turned 10 years old. So 
the masculine, the toxic masculinity is not something that is just relegated to what we do. Women can perpetuate that narrative uh, for us as well. Women definitely can. I mean, think about it. I mean, especially, you know, young, young boys who, you know, are raised by single parents often are told, you know, even if we have two parents, I, I catch myself sometimes telling my son, hey, suck it up, be a man. Suck it up, be a man. That phrase in in and of itself is a toxic. That that's a that's a, that teaches toxic masculinity. That teaches that young man. If I fall off my bike, I can't cry because women cry. That's feminine. That's essentially what toxic masculinity is. And and again, we don't have this discussion. <laughs> See you, Mr. De uh, Professor uh, Fordham. Please speak on it. Okay. Not only do you have that, but no man likes to look weak in front of a woman. Yeah. And a lot of times you have women that exploit that by, uh, you know, I've known young mothers who tell their boys, don't be no punk. Okay. Mm. And so, and I remember once talking to a female student about uh, this type of thing. And she said, well, Professor Fordham, I'm, my son is not going to be a punk. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a difference between not handling your business as a man and acting incapable of showing emotion. There's nothing wrong with that because like myself, for example, like yeah. uh, those of you who know my history, you know, know that I was adopted and didn't find my biological parents until after they were dead. Well, I would go through a lot of crying jags right after that. And mm -hmm. I got to the point where I said, listen, you know, if y'all can't deal with that, tough, because I bottled this up for so long that I would burst into tears at any given minute. And mm. so I know I'm no punk, pure and simple, but the same fact of the matter is, is that if I didn't let go of all of that in that way, it would have come out in a very destructive fashion. And I mm. understand that. So I use that experience to help educate people to that point. Absolutely. Mm. Brian, um, uh, Michael, Tom, uh, Maurice Thomas, what you got? I think all of this uh, stems from the, the expectation for men to protect and provide. And the one thing that whether it's a woman raising you or a man raising you, the things that they're going to teach you is you have to be able to do those things as you become an adult because you are supposed to be the head of your family. When you are going through difficult times and you are appearing to be emotional, you don't want it to be perceived that you you are weak because then it will appear that you cannot protect and provide. And that mm -hmm. expectation is being heaped on young boys at an earlier and earlier age based upon the situation that they're in in their home. Rather it be you having to go and get a job earlier or you having to do things just around the house in order to like take care of your sister or your mom. All of that stuff is heaped on the black male a lot earlier than it is for other um, for our Caucasian uh, brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. So I, I see uh, some comments. I want to make sure that I, I, I go to some of these comments. We have some really good comments in the comment section. Uh, Jay Tobert says, in some instances, my opinion is that that's not a toxic phrase. Uh, some things shouldn't be, he shouldn't automatically cry about. I, I definitely tell my son, like, I mean, like I said, I, I try not to use the term, you know, don't be a punk or anything like that. I do tell him to be a man because I want my son to be a man. I want him to grow up to be a man. I want to have manly behaviors, which we're probably going to get, like, my the next uh, panel is going to be talking about some stuff that people don't see as manly behaviors. So we're going to get in digging deep into that stuff. Um, But, 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 as far as the, using the term being feminine, like as far as, as as far as because I think when you use the term being feminine as a as a as a derogatory term, you're teaching your son that that women that there's something wrong with, with women. And I think that that's that's the bigger issue more so than the, the idea of him comparing his actions to that of a woman. You're more so saying that women are weak. You don't want to be weak like a woman. And that's really what it, where it becomes a toxic phrase. Um, anybody got anything to add to that? 
Yeah, man, I want to, let me uh, interject real quick, if y'all don't mind, because I teach my sons, I teach, I have two sons, man, an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old, right? And I know how society is going to, is going to treat them, right? So I teach them to be tough, but I do it 360, though. I teach them that it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to channel those emotions. It's okay to know when to be emotional and when to suck it up, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? So um, uh, I don't think that, that as a black man growing up in society to, uh, I don't want to use the term to demasculinize, but uh, to, 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 demasculate. yeah, excuse me, sorry. Yeah, to demasculate your, your, your sons, you know, because it's easy to do that, especially in Atlanta, man. The, 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 the culture in Atlanta out here is, it's, it's in, and I'm sure y'all know it's crazy, right? So it's, it's it's very it's very easy for my sons to 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 think that that's normal, natural, or cool because so many so many parents out here are raising babies, babies raising babies, so to speak. So and there's no guidance there. And men, if you don't have a strong male figure when you're raising sons, it's easy to get into that 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 gray area where, where we're talking about the toxic masculinity, man, because I have to teach my sons to be tough because society is not going to baby them. I want them to know that when you step out into this world, it's real out there. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to be faced with, with obstacles and, and, and stumbling blocks that other cultures aren't faced with just because the black, you know, the color of your skin, you know, we it's hard for me to even have a conversation about the Aubreys of the world. You know what I'm saying? And with, with an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old, that's, that's, a, that's a, a very touchy subject because the, the, the environment that I'm raising them in, they don't see that type of thing, but they have those questions of why. You know what I'm saying? Why is it that, you know, it's, it's, it's like this? Or, or why, did, why is it that you keep telling me, look, man, when you get out there, they're going to judge you first just by the way you look. You know, and then when you open your mouth, they're going to judge you again. You know, so you have to, you know, those are conversations that (laughs) I don't want to say that it's making them weak or, or, you know, um, I'm trying not to to make them be weak, so to speak. And we talk about the feminism. Go ahead. Trying to prepare what the world is. Exactly. And And I think important as fathers that we do that. And again, it's important that us as black men are able, we, we equip ourselves with the with the words to be able to communicate those things to our son that, no, women aren't weak, son. I'm not telling you that women are weak. I'm telling you these are qualities of a man that I, I think that you should have. That's one thing that we can say. Um, and But I think our, we, we become the best teacher when we model. I think modeling is really the best way to teach things. I always think about, you know, the way Christ taught. Christ taught by the way he lived. And so if we if we look at the way we live our life around our young men, I think that tells more of a story than anything else would. Um, we only have like a minute left in this segment. So I want you guys to, to give your parting thoughts on this on the on this topic. Uh, I'll start with uh, Maurice. My, my closing thought on it is basically it's, it's so important that we have these conversations with our young men. I don't think there's enough uh, male influences on those boys that are in that school age, a lot of them are being raised to have their understanding of what a man is supposed to be from women. Most yeah. of the teacher, the teaching profession is dominated by women. A lot of them are being raised by women. It takes more men to step in to start teaching these young boys what a man is supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Professor Fordham. Well, I think that we have to remember that there's no guidebook on how to deal with this when we were talking about 
our sons or nephews or young cousins and so forth. So we, ha we have to understand we are going to make mistakes and it's the trial and error process. But I think the bottom line is we have to understand to teach them that there is a balance in all of this. And yes. that balance is the key of understanding that, yes, you can be masculine and yes, you can show emotions at the same time, but keep it in the proper balance so that you can yep. live your life successfully. I love that. I love that. Uh, Sean Mack, we'll come to you. Um, man, I think that it's, it's, it's super important to, to have these forums like you have, uh, just to get the conversation out there, to be able to, uh, to educate, you know, to, if you talk about it, action leads, action, you talk, you lead with talk, action follows. Um, I think it's important, man, to, to, to just be able to, to teach our sons lead by example you know basically that's you know the things that you're doing in the community Rajon. you know you lead by example i think that's super awesome you know because it, it bleeds into the community and others see that and then you know it'll light a fire elsewhere you know and it, and it grows and i think that's super important i think we need it and these conversations is much needed man i appreciate being a part of it now. definitely thank you maurice we're gonna end with you buddy and just uh, one point I want to make is the the, the masculinity, toxic, the toxicity uh, hits home, especially harder for us, for black males. There was a time when we would be in our homes with our wives and the slave master yeah. walked in and told yes. us to leave while he made love to our wife. There's been times probably when he told her to leave and did something to us. So wow. we, got it, yeah. we got it especially strong. Uh, we got it. We got it. We got to really show a lot of times our strength and, and our, us able to bounce back from those things. And the way we do it is not with, you know, violence and anger. It's with right. solid dialogue, talking to brothers like y'all, man. And, and I want y'all to encourage because I'm a barber and I, and I, and I tell you thousands of, of young black men um, come to my shop with their fathers, their fathers mm. bring the grant. Sometimes yep. I cut the grandfather, the son and the grandson. Yes, so yes. they want us to think that there's not a lot of us out here doing what we're doing, but there are a lot more of us good ones than there are bad ones. And that's the last thing that I wanted to, I wanted to touch on. Absolutely. We're going to continue this discussion going forward. Um, fellas, I thank you all so much for joining me. Um, we will be doing this again next month. So please, when I send the form out, I need y'all back. Yeah. Thank y'all yeah, so much yeah. for joining me. Maurice right. Simmons, Maurice Thomas, Professor Damon Fordham, and my brother, Sean Mack. Thank you all so much for joining me. We're going to move. Right, gentlemen. Thank you all so much, man. All right, so we're gonna remove them from the screen and we're gonna line up our next panel. That's what I told you guys. I said, I got 12 men, 12 men ready to talk about these things, ready to dig into these issues. I'm so excited about tonight's show. I hope y'all are joining it, enjoying it. If you are enjoying this, please give me a thumbs up or a heart or a like or a something for this because we wanna keep this conversation going. We want these gentlemen to feel appreciated. We want them to know how, how much their words are impacting the community. And we want to continue to, to grow this discussion as, as it goes on. So it is not over. I have another panel coming on right now. Uh, we got, I should have four gentlemen, um, but I think right now I only have three. That's all right. We're going to rock with them. My bros, more of my bros. Now, now the, cool thing about this, right? the cool thing about this is some of these guys are guys I've been meeting and some are people that I've known for a really long time. So this this is a crew of people that I know know. So first of all, introduce yourself, Lose, the host, my man. Hey, what's going on out there um, in the world of Real Talk with Rajon? I'm um, your boy, Los the host. 
uh, sure. local here in Charleston. I uh, got a couple youth programs out here trying to do my thing in the community. That's doing my part. Plug. Go ahead. Oh yeah, science so uh, <laughs> yeah, science and boxing right there in uh, North Charleston, across from Danny Jones, uh, the Slam Youth Poetry Team, uh, and also uh, Los Lumpias. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. All right, Byron Melvin, go for it, B. How's it going, everybody? I'm Byron Melvin. Los, I've had your Lumpias before. I actually met you at the uh, at Art Bench with the Ill Bob event. Oh yeah, it was yeah. Awesome. yeah, I had your Lumpias before. So yeah. Um, so I'm Byron Melvin. Um, so a few things. I'm a volunteer. I'm a mentor uh, with the uh, Singers Gentlemen's Club. So that's how I actually know Riz. Um, yeah. I work with Riz on a few different things. Uh, also, I have a podcast, the Children of the Internet podcast. So <laughs> we actually. Great uh, podcast. Yeah, it, it is. It is. We actually talk about some of these topics uh, from time to time, as well as like as well as like some tech and, and nerd yeah. Internet culture and whatnot. So um but yeah, so that's how I know Riz. That's some of the things I'm involved with in the community. Uh, I'm a person that loves to stay active. I love to be involved in the community. Uh, I'm a big person when it comes to things of like such as like identity, race, politics, and whatnot. So I think this this conversation, uh, or at least this topic, is gonna be really interesting. I really want to see how it goes. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Sean, what's up? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Man, I'm Sean Middleton. Um, hey. I'm not really gonna go into my background, man. People who know me know me. Those who don't. You know, don't. Uh, I'm just a regular guy um, talking to some other fellas, man. That's all, bro. but but I have to go ahead and rep my own frat A5A Alpha Phi Alpha A506. I'm gonna do that. Much. Oh, 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 there you go. All right, all right. All right. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna do that much. Come on, right, yeah, man. So, Andrew, all you got to do, Andrew, I put the link in the inbox. Go to the inbox and click the link inside the inbox for all the guys or in the, um, the Google invite that I did. Either one, just click that and it'll it'll lead you right in. All right, but I'm gonna go ahead and get started with with this panel right here. We got like uh, we have uh, Andrew also coming in, but he's he's having a couple issues getting into the, the link, so we're gonna we gonna get him in here. Uh, we're gonna get him in here for sure. So this next topic I wanted to talk about, I'm gonna go right in. So I like I just like with the other group, I had a I had a serious topic. Well, I guess both of these are really serious topics, and I want to go ahead in. So let's let's start with let's start with black men in the church. I want to start with black men in the church. Um, I want to start there um, because one thing that we've seen uh, you know, back in the days, I'll, I'll do that. Back in the days, it was much more common for black men to go to church with the family. Now, if you go to a church, you mostly see women with the kids if they're there at all. Um, do you one? Are you involved in the church? Are you involved in the church? That's the first question. And if you are, what is your t take on the amount of other m black men that you see in the church? And if you are not in the church, why are you not involved in the church? So that's that's how I want to go with that. And I'll start with Los, because Sean, I, I I know you on some other stuff, so I'm, I'm gonna come to you last. I can do this. <laughs> My take, um, that's a good topic. I really do love the fact that you did bring that up because it, it needs to be, I guess, you know, spoken about it at least, at least, you know, because. If you're noticing things like that in the church, it, you know, it should be a concern uh, to, to not have black men there to, uh, in support of their families. I, I will say that I am a very spiritual person, although I, I'm not the Christian go to church type dude. Uh, the reason why is, is because I'm a little reluctant to um, believe and trust in a book that uh, people used against my ancestors or half my ancestors. Okay. rather. So that, that's right. me. All right, I love it, Byron. 
So I'm not sure. Have any of y'all seen uh, Black AF yet on on uh, Netflix? No, I have not watched it yet. I heard mm-hmm. about it though. Okay. Right, so it's it's a it's a Kenya Burrish uh, show. The same guy that made um, uh, Blackish and Grownish and whatnot. The title of every episode is because slavery. So it deals with different <laughs> topics that he that he goes through. But every the title of every episode is because of slavery. Um, wow. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a person. Mm-hmm. I, I I do go to church from time to time. I'm um kind of like what Lo said. I'm very I'm more a spiritual person than religious. But I do hear that a lot with black men in general. Um, a lot of my friends uh, that are black men they they echo that same sentiment as I'm more religious than I'm more spiritual than religious. Um, you know, I don't go to church, but I do believe in a higher power. Those sorts of things. And you know, when you kind of d- dive into it, they all kind of echo that same sentiment as like. Well, Christianity was used to enslave our people. It was used as a tool to enslave our people in the past. So I don't want to actively engage in something that was used to enslave us in the past. So um, I'm not saying I personally feel that way, but it is something I'm very cognizant of. Um, you know, uh, we're going to church with like doing Bible studies and whatnot. So that's my particular take on it. I have experience uh, with, you know, with that, but I'm not saying I necessarily feel that way. Word, word. Okay, Sean, what you got? Um, well, I, I don't uh, go to church because I'm not a Christian, but um, See, I've been good. I want you to say that. Yeah, yes, that's why. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not doing. a Christian, but but I used to really be into the church. Um, mm-hmm. I'm talking about, and people would be shocked to hear this, but I'm talking about going to dope spots and them calling me Rev, and you know, taking breaks from selling dope out of respect and listening to what I got to say and going on doors and saving souls. Like I've saved a lot of souls and stuff like that in my Christian time. But yeah, um, I found new information. Um, and I'm one of those people, you know me, Rajan, you know me. I'm always yeah. going to go back and try to find the root of things. And when I found the root of things um, in order in Christianity, in order to get to the root, you got to go to the Jews. And then when I went to the Jews and found the root of things, I could no longer be a Christian because I was given new materials that just blew the whole thing away. And, you know, we go into the thing about slavery. Oh, they used the Bible to enslave our people. They used the Bible to enslave our people because back then we couldn't read. So the master was the person that was giving the preacher, if he wasn't the preacher, the things to tell you out of the Bible. And he twisted it. But when you go and you go to the source and compare the source um, like the Talmud. People don't know about the Talmud. They don't teach Christians about the Talmud. But once you pull the Talmud out and you find lines where God says, actually, if you don't run away from a cruel master, I'm going to uh, punish you in the afterlife for not fighting back. Or you read where slaves have to be set free every six years because that signifies that they belong to God and not some other man. You know, you start to realize the okie doke that they played during slavery. So the, the things that we think that God accepts, he actually doesn't accept. But you got to go into the you got to go back to the root of things to understand. it. Mm, thank you for sharing that. Andrew, before you before you answer, because I, I, I know where this is going. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Uh, <laughs> the audience. I, this is family. I, I can do this with family. Go ahead. Andrew. Go ahead, Andrew. Wait, wait, what do you want me to do? Oh, introduce yourself to the audience. Oh, okay. Hey, everybody. My name is Andrew. Um, 
uh, Andrew Brunell. I'm a coach. I teach uh, gymnastics and acrobatics. Uh, I'm also a personal trainer. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess some people would call me a mentor. I don't. I'm just just a guy. I'm just a guy, you know, um, just a guy who likes to, you know, have fun, talk, have great conversation. So that's me. That's me in a nutshell. Oh, I'm also a writer. So, yes. yeah. Hi. Yes. yes. He's also my trainer. My guy. That's my guy guy. So uh, yeah, Andrew, I'm also Rajon's trainer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Andrew, um, religion. Go. Okay, got it. Um, I mean, you know how I feel about religion. I mean, I I'm an atheist, right? Um, uh, I'm an atheist. I, I don't think that there's a God. Um, I don't think there's any spirits or angels or anything out there looking at us. Um, the evidence is, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that we are just organisms floating around in space by ourselves, and that's okay. Um, I used to be heavy in the church. I, I used to believe in God and all that. And then I just literally kept putting it to the test. And when I kept putting it to the test, it always came back void. Um, as far as black men or black people in the church, I'll say what I always say. The reality of the situation is black people, we hate everything about slavery except Christianity. Mm. Um, the reality here is Christianity, the church has never done anything conclusive for black people. It has never helped us. It has never done anything but provide us with hope. And while a lot of people may agree that hope is a wonderful thing, I don't. I think hope is one of the worst things to give to our people. We need answers. We need to, to understand business. We need to understand finances. We don't need to know what people said 2,000 years ago who didn't know what happened to the sun when it went down. We need mm. concrete answers to give our people uh, financial security. You know, so screw the spiritual crap. Let's talk about getting this money. Let's talk about opening up businesses. Let's talk about owning banks because the people who own those stuff, they don't talk about religion. You get more than five black people together and we're going to have a church service. You get more than five white people together, they're going to start a business. We're doing right. things wrong. And hey, that's how I feel. So listen, so listen, one, five different men, five different perspectives on the church. I love it. I love it. All right, so let's talk about it. So let's talk about, do we think, do, do we believe that, because I am a person who, so I, I'll go ahead and introduce myself religiously. I am a Christian. Um, I do go to church. Um, I'm yeah. somebody who's involved in the church that I go to. I now, hate it. I'm, yeah, whatever, Andrew. Uh, but with that being said, I, I'm also a very open-minded person. I'm always willing to hear the ideas and thoughts of other people. And again, that's the point of toxic or nah. The point of this is to get black men in a room and one, identify the fact that we are not a monolith. We do not all think the exact same way. So if you're a politician who's trying to market to young black men, you need to understand if you get five black men in a the room, they don't all think the exact same thing. So don't market to all of us the exact same. That's the first thing that, that I want to establish with this show. But I also want to establish ways to think around, to think around, to, oh, whoa, who really represent the church? Where are the black men who really represent the church? Great question. Great question. We'll get to that. But before we do, I want to ask you guys, so do you think that what you see here is representative of why we don't see as many black men in the church, as, I mean, in the physical building as much as we used to? Do y'all think that maybe people are waking up and they're deciding to do other things or is or or is just like, is it a time thing? What? Wh why are black men, quote unquote, leaving the church? And I'll start with Sean. Um, personally, just from being in, in corporate America, in and out of it, you know, in our fathers and grandfathers' time, 
nine to five jobs, five days a week was a thing. But now um, it's more like 12 to 14 or unlimited hours, six or seven mm -hmm. days a week. So I think men too tired to go to church. Like, you know, if, if your company, I, I've worked at places where I had to work seven days a week. Um, maybe the Sunday wasn't a, an official work day, but I had to do payroll or paperwork or something like that on a Sunday. So uh -huh. if that's the one day a week that I got to myself, I ain't going to church, Bo. <laughs> yeah. okay. uh, Byron, what you think? Could you repeat the question? The question is, do you think that that is there, is there a specific reason that you could identify that, that more black men are not entering the church um, as opposed to how much they used to? Um, so I think it's like the I thought I, I, I thought it was the direction that Shaw was going in, but I think we're as more opportunities are becoming available to us. I believe we're being surrounded by more people who aren't religious. I believe there was a point in time where um you know, the job you had or the, you know, not necessarily me, but the job you had, it was the one that was available to you that was within your community somewhere. You know, you were surrounded by people who were of your community and in your community. I mean, now that we're taking jobs and we're living in places that aren't necessarily not that far, like very far away from where we grew up in, we're surrounded by people that we didn't grow up with. We're surrounded by different cultures because we have like more access now. I believe we're being surrounded by people who have different views and we're just coming, we're becoming more awake to those views. You know, we're you know, we work for companies that, you know, that openly like despise, you know, talking about religion or being religious and things of that nature. So it's like, more people just like you said, becoming awake to it. Like they're getting so more you, information. They're making a different decision. So you think it's it's, it's really a residual of, of what's happening in larger society in terms in terms of of, um, of of large society saying because there used to be a time where businesses would close on Sundays. Case in point, yeah. Chick-fil-A. Right. Businesses would close on Sunday. They wouldn't have service. They would, so so that people could go to church. Um, that definitely could be an aspect. I want to I want to I want to spin it this way. Do is does, is there anyone that thinks that um, there are black men that are not join, going to church as much because of the fact that a lot of the black men who are at the forefront of the church are being viewed as possibly homosexual or that there's some kind of is there some some kind of aspect of that to it? I just want to ask. Oh, I, I got you on mute. Go ahead, Carlos. Uh, no, I, I don't think it's uh, people having the perception of uh, black men in church being gay. Uh, I don't think that at all. But the, although, you know, there are a lot of um, men in there that are that way. But I don't I don't think that's it. I, and in my perspective, I really do feel like uh, people have a sense in their mind and heart what's right and what's wrong. And once when people uh, catch up with the hypocrisy of, uh, you know, the uh, let's say the Christianity religion or whatever, then they kind of shun away from it. I'm, I'm only half black. I'm half Filipino. So like I, my mom is kind of, you know, I, I was in both churches when I was really young. And as far as Catholic church and Christian, say again, that's yeah, the Filipinos church church. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like they're Catholic or Muslim. Um, and you know, so we, we did that for a little bit and, and just like everybody else, I partake when I was younger as well. And a lot of the things that I noticed when I was younger was like the white Jesus ab above the mantle in the black houses and, uh, growing up in like foster care and group homes and stuff like that. That was always really, really off to me. Cause like, it just didn't seem right. It just, so, and that, and then as I got older and, and, uh, began to seek more knowledge, like everybody else then it kind of made me uh, 
feel like I was a part of being a hypocrite or make me feel like I was, uh, let's say, supporting the hypocrites. And, and yeah. you know, and that's kind of something I like to stay away from. Right. I, I agree. I agree totally. Um, I, I want to move on to the next topic. We're at 15 minutes now. Um, Andrew, did you have any closing thoughts on that topic in the church? Uh yeah, I definitely do. Um, I, I wanted to kind of answer the last two things you said. I don't think it has anything to do with people seeing like homosexuals in the church or, or whatever like that. I mean, I think we as a society are becoming very embracive of, you know, the LGBTQIA community, you know, or QIA plus community as a society, as a, you know, um, you know, we're, we're very embracive of that, you know. So I don't think it has anything to do with that. Um, honestly, I think it's just two plus two always equals four. And, and 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 I say that to say the church doesn't work. You can keep telling me that a miracle is going to happen. You can keep telling me that a God up above is going to pay my bills. But guess what? You know what really pays my bills? Working. Like, work. I literally haven't prayed in ten years, and I am doing financially better than anybody in my family. Every one of them still go to church. Every one of them still get on here and go hallelujah and hail marys. Mm. And I'm the one they ask for money. Wow. So it sure seemed like they God like me more than them, and I don't even believe in them. With it's that, just two plus two equals four, man. It's just that but you know, <laughs> there, I, I think there are people that attend church that you know don't just go for the. A lot of people go to church for the just community aspect. Moderate. I think that's why a lot of people go to church in the first place. It's like because I mean, I guess technically wherever you are is technically your church, it's your sanctuary. You know, you can you can worship. God, you know, wherever you are. So a lot of people go for the community aspect. And it's and I think maybe there may be some aspect of like black men that may feel further away from our communities where they yeah. don't want to engage in that. Yeah, I, I agree totally. And I would I would love to continue this discussion, but we only have 30 that's minutes. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. This is yeah. this is really like I like the I love this discussion. I love this discussion. But again, I would like to if you if you are in your home watching this discussion, I hope you continue the discussion in your home and and really like speak to somebody who doesn't think exactly the way you do about this topic. And it may open your eyes to something you didn't consider previously. Just something to think about. Hey, yeah. Rajan. Yeah. Rajan. Before yeah. you move into the next thing, you have somebody in your live chat that said money isn't a market success. Please tell that person try being poor and eating out of trash cans. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my cousin. He heard that's it. my cousin. <laughs> and I'll let, I'll let that I mean, go. Yeah. <laughs> my family doesn't work. Hey, hey, but, but before you go, just to piggyback off of him, I just want to say when you go into the Talmud, it's actually a sin to be poor. Hey! That's okay. a sin. It is, so you I like that. Want, wanting a preacher to be poor, it is a sin for your preacher to be able to be rich and choose to be poor. Piety is actually a sin if you overdo it. So See? See, I, I, I can be a Jew. I can be a Jew. Multiple yeah. <laughs> perspectives. I love it. I love it. Now we, we got we got we got eleven minutes left to talk about a very big topic. All right. Honestly, I want to talk about it from two perspectives, right? First of all, I want to say this. I want to say the fact that um, I want to start with the fact that we are, we talked about the, the. I wanted to get to the aspect of homosexuality. Um, as hey, a Rich, can you can you mute everybody? I can oh, I can hear like a feedback. Yeah, there's a lot of background. Oh, one second, I got you. All right, all right, that's much better. All right, cool. So. And I wanted to get, I entered that question into the last segment because I wanted to, to really work my way to this um, 
this uh, Boosie and D-Wade topic. And I, I grouped those t- together for a specific reason, all right? And I'm probably going to have to extend the segment by five minutes because I really, really want to dig in here. Um, so I, I want to dig in here because, one, it's, it speaks to the recurring theme in the, of tonight's show, which is toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity, what are we teaching our sons? What are we teaching our young men that are not good behaviors? And what things are we advocating for? Um, uh, you know, So I wanted to start with the, with the boozy topic, but I know in the boozy topic, we have to also address the um, D-Wade topic, at least um, on a surface level. Now, with that, I want to say this. We don't have anybody on this panel who live, represents a transgender community, so we're not going to talk a whole lot about that aspect of it, but we can talk about the fatherhood aspect of it. So that's that's the aspect that I plan on coming at from here because we have fathers. We don't have anybody transgender, so I don't want to talk about the transgender community. Is that all right? Are we good? All right. So with that with that being said, last week, uh, Boosie, formerly known as Lil Boosie, uh, was 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 uh, was recorded on, on Instagram Live talking about the fact that he takes pride and purchasing prostitutes to perform oral sex on his 12-year-old son. React. I'm, I'm going to start with Los. Oh, hold on. I got to unmute you, Los. I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. Okay, yeah. So um, I'd never do that. Uh, my son, he's 11 now, and I, he's a young 11. So I, I don't really advocate uh, people doing anything with any type of minors in any type of way. Um, as a matter of fact, it, it kind of sickened me when when you when I read the topic, I didn't know what it was. So I had to do research. So I made little yeah. footnotes or whatever. Yeah. And when I heard him talking about it, I was like, I was a little bit in disbelief. But at the same time, it's not surprising. But as far as me personally, in my opinion, I would never do it for my son. Uh, I wouldn't encourage any of my friends or families to do it for their uh, sons or nephews. And, um, you know, I just kind of I'm, I'm set where we're on that. Like, I wouldn't at all. All right, I'm going to come to you, Andrew. All right, uh, can you uh, can you repeat the question, Rajon, please? The question is, I want you to react to your first thoughts when you heard about the Boosie situation. What were your first thoughts? Um, I mean, so um, my first reaction to it was it was disgusting. Um, I mean, one, uh, children shouldn't be exposed uh, like that, right? Now, now, I'm one of those people. Um, I do believe that children, they have an inerrant, inherent sexuality to them. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But they should be allowed to figure that out on, for themselves. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like with their peers and things like that. We shouldn't force our thoughts about their sexuality uh, on them, wh- whatever it may be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I do think that what Boosie did was disgusting because you could have, uh, you know, irrevocably damaged your son's psyche. Right. Like he only can think of women in a certain way now. And that could take years to unravel, to unpack, to 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 figure himself out Um, before Mm -hmm. he even understood who he was. You had him get engaging in sexual acts with somebody else. Um, You know, just the act of sex, the the, the mental about sex. We don't take it seriously enough in our culture. I personally feel true. But. But then to to have a twelve year old boy engage in that before he can even formulate, other than oh this feels good, uh, mm-hmm. I mean you're setting him up for a lifetime of misogyny and 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 emotional uh, issues. Yeah. That's just how I feel. I, I I'm with you. All right, we're gonna go to I want to go to uh, Byron. Yeah. So I mean, okay. So I think the obvious is that you know without a doubt nobody should ever do that. That's um. 
I think that's like the the bar, like the. But beyond that, like that's it. Like a child can't consent to sex. A twelve year old can't consent to sex right. at all legally. Um, so, like in prostitution, I'm, I'm not sure how it is in Baton Rouge, but I'm pretty sure prostitution is also illegal. So, like, depending on when this happened, I'm not sure if it's outside of statute of limitations, but Boosie should be looking at some kind of jail time for this. Um, yep. In 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 either direction you go in, um, like that's not. And then beyond that, it's even the the damaging. Like, what if Boosie's son is gay? You know, mm. you know, like how do you like what what happens then? What like, if? What, what is, yeah. Like, how damaged is the child going to be as an adult? Like, is he going to be the black unibomber when he grows up because it's now? Yeah. His dad forced him to have sex with prostitutes, and he didn't. He couldn't consent to it. He couldn't say no. He couldn't say yes. Nothing. Uh, so I'm pretty sure his son didn't ask for prostitutes yeah. to come. You know, like have sex with him and like, who are these prostitutes? But yeah. also, like, All so, right. it, <laughs> so, right. so, yeah, the, the whole every, every, no matter at what aspect you come in, this is wrong. There's no, I, I can't see any possible way of defending this. Like, you can't say, oh, it's his kids. Like, he doesn't. Those are his kids, but he doesn't like own them. Like he's he's responsible yeah. for them. You know, you can't Word. just do whatever you want to with the with the with your kids because you, you know, are the father of them. But yeah, so every direction this comes at is wrong. I, I thank you, Sean. I'm gonna be honest. Um, I really didn't read about exactly the entire situation with Boosie. I was more concerned about the hypocrisy that I was going to encounter because the first thing that came to mind, Boosie's son is 12. D-Wade's son is 12. So I basically scoured Facebook to see who all the pro Dwayne Wade people were from when uh -huh. that from when that was going on. I wanted to see what their uh, reactions would be um, to Boosie. And each and every one of those people that supported D-Wade saying that his son was old enough to um, choose his gender wanted to throw Boosie all the way under the bus. Me personally... I don't see a difference between the two. They're like, oh, well, mm -hmm. D-Wade didn't um, tell his son um, to have sex with men, so that makes uh, D-Wade um, better than Boosie. But I'm like, there's no difference because mm -hmm. both are at an age where they are too immature to be making those type of decisions. Um, mm -hmm. In our community, and this is just from coming from an activist standpoint, um, you know, one of the people that I dislike the most in the world is Hillary Clinton. I can't stand Hillary Clinton. I don't like Bill Clinton. Um, I can't stand feminism. I hate feminism. But the root of it goes back His to name understanding. Is John the, 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 the root of this, though, before you all, oh, people like to call me a misogynist. They like to call me, uh, uh, what's the other thing? Um, whatever the other word is. But it's all based off of history. And when you go back uh -huh. to our history, you really got to go back into eugenics to understand the dangers of homosexuality, um, uh -huh. things like abortion, and also uh, the whole sexuality thing, even if it's hetero. Uh -huh. Black people are considered negative eugenics. Okay? And when you go back into negative eugenics, they're always looking for a way to get rid of whoever they consider negative eugenics. Some of the things that they use were forced sterilizations. This was until 1983 in parts of the country, especially North Carolina. Um, you look at uh, you look at uh, before Margaret Sanger, they were like, OK, what can we do to create more male homosexuals or what can we do to get more males in prison and things like that? All of these things, you got to look at the end game. And when I look at the end game, the end game is to stop black reproduction. So 
while people are looking at D Wade as he's better than Boosie, to me, D Wade fits into the agenda that eugenics had 150 years ago in order to get rid of us. So both are equally messed up to me. That's just okay. my opinion. So I, I, but based on his so, based on history. Yeah, so I, I want to start. Gay people aren't sterile. Gay people can still gay make people aren't sterile. Gay people, gay, gay people aren't sterile, but what I am saying, based on what I have known the racist eugenics community to push upon our people, there's mm -hmm. no difference between forced sterilization, which they did, and when they start forced sterilization, that's when Ronald Reagan came in with the programs for um the crack well, epidemic. A person a child if he wants to. Yeah, a gay man can choose to have a child if he wants to. A gay woman can choose to have a child. I know several gay couples who have children. That's that that that's not that's not what I'm getting at. So, I'm saying so the on. issue is the racist history of it all. You have to consider yeah. all that. You have to study the history in order to understand the ramifications of what's done. Our people don't go back and look at the histories of how racists have used these things in order to destroy us. That's right. that's my stance against it. Yes, I don't so, care. So Necessarily, if a person is gay or not, against the thing that is, that's like saying I don't agree with mountains. Mountains exist. Gay people mountains. literally exist. They exist, and if gay people exist, that's fine. But what I'm pointing out is the dangers of telling a 12 year old that he can choose his sexuality because this is something that has been pushed on us in the past. That's just like saying, okay, uh, pol we're taught in school that police are supposed to be our friends, but police. Came from the KKK, so right, but that's a false equivalency. But today, so today, so again, we're talking about false equivalency. Police, police are doing, police are doing what they're supposed to do. But one of those uh, is something you're being told, so fast, and one of them is one of the things you're being you're choosing. Like, right, is there between so, so indoctrination and teaching? Yes. So let's. So in one, I was in D-Wade indoctrination. I was in D-Wade indoctrination. Telling a child about D-Wade indoctrination. By us telling D-Wade you... that it's cool for his 12-year-old son to choose his gender, we have just it told is. every black male in America that it's okay to go ahead and choose your gender at 12 years. Are I'm you serious? Everybody. I'm muting everybody. All right. So I'm, I'm muting everybody now. So, so I had to mute y'all. Stop screaming at the screen, <laughs> Andrew. One, one, I'm actually glad that Sean, I'm glad that Sean made that, made that point. I want to start there. I want to start with the fact that I, I'm glad that Sean made that point because that is something that has been said in the community. And when we have these discussions in front of people, we need to have the discussions that we're having behind closed doors. So many times we're having this discussion in a silo of people who think exactly the way that we think. And now we don't grow and we don't learn because we only think about the thoughts of our uh, of people who think like us. So I want to make sure that I say that, first of all. Now, I also want to go back to the original point because I knew that would happen. I knew that somehow the Boosie thing would be tied to the D-Wade thing. And I want to give my thoughts on the topic. Now, Boosie is committing a crime. That's, that's a fact. To have an adult woman perform oral sex on a child is a crime. We as black men have to get to a place where we say a thing is a thing. We can't say a thing is a thing, but what about this? Do you know why? And I said this on the show the other night. If you were watching when I was on with Marifa Uquelli, um, uh in his group, it's, it's 
one thing that we hate as, as an African-American community is when people say, yeah, I know that this police officer killed this per person, but what about that? I know that this person got off for this crime who should have been convicted, but what about that? I know that black lives matter, but what about all lives? There has to come a time where we say a thing is a thing and stop trying to find a thing to compare it to to make it more right than it originally was. An adult man had an adult woman perform oral sex on a child. Period. Period. And, and as long as we continue to make excuses, we get away from the actual issue, which is the problem, which is why we always end up in a situation where when we're having discussions and I, this comes to black issues, because I want to talk about issues that are black, black issues and affect black people on a day to day basis. We hate it when people do that to us so much so that if we're if we know that there's a channel that's not representing our thoughts, we will not represent that. We will not watch that channel at all. We, we separate ourselves from people who don't like we, we got to make sure that we're doing that. Now, I want to go to the D. Wade situation because it was brought up in the D. Wade situation. And no, it does not have to be tied. It does not have to be tied. The fact like if, if somebody walked in this house and killed my wife, I wouldn't care about the other people that got killed. My wife is dead. Don't tell me. But what about the other people's wives who got killed over here last week? And will tomorrow. No, my wife is dead. The only thing I'm concerned about talking about is my wife being dead. We have a situation where Boosie came out and said, I'm committing a crime. Now, let's also talk about the trauma piece of it. Because I, 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 We haven't mentioned the trauma piece. We as black men, again, toxic masculinity, toxic masculinity says that if a, a, an adult man has sex with a 12-year-old girl, that's wrong. If a, an adult woman has sex with a young boy, that's cool. It's not. It's not. It's traumatizing. It's traumatic. Now, let's talk about the fact that, oh, well, and I'm sorry. I know I'm just eating up the segment. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> but um, but I, I know that, um, you know, we said, well, kids are having sex at a younger, younger age these days. They are. It's true. Kids are definitely having sex at, I, I taught fourth and fifth grade. I can tell you that there are fifth graders having sex. I can tell you that. Kids are having sex, but those kids are choosing. They're choosing. Their dads aren't bringing women to the house to have sex with them. It's a totally different thing. So we probably can do a whole segment in and of itself on the D-Wade topic, um, but I'm not going to. And I want to give you guys, I'm going to let you guys, I'm going to open it back up and let y'all close with your thoughts on the topic. I don't, I don't want to spend any more than three minutes on closing the topic. Is that cool? Without yelling at each other? All right, cool. I'm going to open y'all back up. Thank you. All right, we'll start with uh, let's start with let's start with Andrew. I hate I know kids. You, not, you hate kids? What'd you say? You hate I hate kids? this. <laughs> I hate this. Go, Andrew. It's not enough time. Okay, okay. Um, my closing statement on the D Wade situation. Yeah. Uh, no, Boosie situation. On the Boosie situation. I mean, I think everything you said was absolutely correct. I think, uh, yeah, it, it was a crime. It's rape in my book. Um, and like I said before. Kids do have an inerrant sexuality, but I feel like that's something that they should experience with, uh, they should work through with their peers or with themselves. Whether or how we feel about it, the reality of the situation is we are procreating animals, right? Mm. So we we want to do these things. You get what I'm saying? Like, like you know, psychologically, we want to do these things. That's yeah. actually like one of the steps of, of psychology, right? To become a fully formed person, you have to engage in some form of sexuality. 
but uh, an adult should never force themselves on a child, nor should a child feel as though they have to live up to some adult's expectation about what sexuality is and should be. Uh, yeah. They should be free to kind of experience that on their own and with their peers and at the time of their choosing. So that's how I feel about that. Can I please say something about the D-Wade situation? Please? Can you do it in 20 seconds? Please? Okay. No, I can't. Man. Can say it, just... Andrew. All I can say. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. I will bring back, I will bring back the D-Wade topic next month. I will I will bring it back next month. Okay. People still care about it next month. All right. Okay, that's no, fair enough. Right. Well, I don't care if you're mad. We're gonna talk about it. I'm not mad anyway. All right, uh Sean, I'm gonna come to you, bro. Is that me? Um yeah, Sean. My, all right. Well, my, my my whole thing on it is um if you're going to on Boosie, I don't think that either side of the argument disagrees that Boosie did wrong. Um molestation is molestation. But that, that's just what it is. My whole point is you don't pick what issue to be angry at because of a person's age. It's uh -huh. a, a, a person is immature at the age of 12, no matter what. If you're mad at one, be mad at the other. That's my whole thing on it. And that's what I'm closed with. All right. Thank you for that close. <laughs> All right. Uh, Byron. Low shoot a poet, so I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna let you do your poet thing last. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's important. Um, kind of echoing the same things you were saying, Rez. I think it's important for us to be able to tell the difference and not. And I, I think some things aren't aren't up to uh, your opinion. You know, some things aren't opinion. Like when it comes to people's sexuality, like that's not a thing of opinion. Like it's not your opinion on somebody's sexuality. That's it's nothing. It's it's like. It's factual. It's it is a is a is a definite thing. Whatever they choose is is what they choose. You know, it's, it's like what we think about it is not important. But when it comes mm. to crimes, crimes like crimes, you know, are, real. crimes are also definite. <laughs> you know, like okay, there's a difference between you know my opinion on something's wrong and if something's definitely wrong based on uh, a person's development, um, what kind of trauma they would incur, and also if it's a crime. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for that, Byron. Lois, my bro. Yes, sir. Um, well, first off, I just want to say, you know, I, I love all you guys, man. Um, it makes me feel real good to be a part of this, um, you know, black man panel to speak on topics that we really don't ever discuss. Um, yeah. in, in closing about the topic, man, there's no poetic way to put it. Wrong is wrong. A crime is a crime. When you're dealing with a minor, anything, anything that has, you know, that has that type of, uh, let's say, damage, um, immediate and long-term, is, is always going to be wrong in my book. And uh, I really think uh, Boosie, Boosie should be very, very cautious moving forward in, in how he does raise his children. Uh, at the same time, you know, I, I want, you know, us to, as this, as this uh, continues, I want us to, you know, talk more about it to other Black men to, you know, just let them know that we are... Uh, you know, talking about the same thing. So we kind of can get it more out in the open that what's wrong is wrong. At, and at, especially at tender age of 12, they, they barely know anything yet. You know, they, they're still learning how to be them. 
um, choosing their sexuality is probably one of the last things they're doing. Uh, and, and, and that's just from, you know, what I, I'm thinking. I don't really know. Razan, you, you taught kids, you know, you're, you said, you know, uh, quite the opposite. But at the same time, yeah. you know, I, I really do feel like um, we should be very cautious in how we raise our children moving forward, all of us. And our children are, are, very, are very much sponges, especially the black men. We have to raise and groom our boys, not just boys, but children, period, because we need more lawyers. Yeah. We need more judges. Yeah. We need more sheriffs. We need more people that's going to represent us that look like us. And the way we have to do it is starting with our kids. My guy. Thank you guys so much. Y'all know I love y'all, man, my whole heart. You know, each of y'all are my friends, each of y'all are people I, I look up to and I, I value having in my life. So thank y'all so much for joining me. Um, come back next month. Let's do this again, y'all. Let's do this again next month because I'm, I'm, I'm excited about these discussions. I'm excited about the different perspectives that we're bringing to the table. I'm excited about the fact that we're having it in a way that we are respecting one another, even though we disagree on a lot of things. I love it. I love it. I love y'all. And I will see y'all next time. I'm going to take y'all out of the feed and I'm going to bring the next ones in. Thank you so much. All right, all right. So, next panel's coming in. Yo, I told y'all. I told y'all we were going to get into it. I told y'all I was going to get real. I told y'all, right? It, it got real. It definitely got real. I'm bringing in my next panel. Listen, man, I'm telling y'all, toxic or not, nah, we are diving into topics that men are not talking about. We're diving into things that need to be discussed in a public forum. We're, we're taking it out of the barbershop. We're taking it out of the home. We're taking it out of the man cave, and we're bringing it to the world bringing it to the world right now and we're bringing it with different perspectives this is not a monolith this is not a this is not a we're not one way we're not we don't think one way we all have different perspectives but we can do it in a respectful way we can still love one another and have this discussion so go ahead and introduce my third panel my final panel for the evening i'm going to start with uh elgin big l bailey please introduce yourself sir what's good family can everybody hear me yes sir Okay. Hey, man, I'm out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, man. I am one of the hosts on the In the Black podcast. I'm also a community activist, man, putting out work in the hood, father, husband, all those good things, man. Unapologetically black all day. All day, all day. Next up, we got Calvin Power. What's up, Logan? What's up, V? What's going on? Hey, everybody. My name is Calvin Logan. Uh, I'm in uh, currently in North Charleston, South Carolina. I got a TV and radio show called The Logan Power Show. Uh, yeah. We're here to impact not just uh, locally, um, around the city and around the nation and across the globe. So I do TV and radio. So I definitely appreciate Rajan Lewis being on your, on your show and uh, all these gentlemen here. God bless y'all. Looking forward to the topics that we're going to rock it out on today. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Next, we got Daryl Felder. Introduce yourself, brother. Hey, how y'all doing? My name is Daryl Felder. Uh, I'm currently living in Orangeburg, South Carolina, but I'm out of town working. Uh, but I couldn't wait to be a part of this program. And uh, it's something I really want to talk about and something I experienced myself. And hopefully somebody can take something back from it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Brian Anderson, introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Brian Anderson, um, a writer based out of Atlanta, Georgia. I don't like to think of myself as a mentor, but just a person that, you know, want to see the community do good uh, and uplift, the, you know, the, those that are coming behind us so that they can be trailblazers. Yes, sir. Yes. Thank you for joining us. And Daniel Digger jones Laurie, my guy. First things first, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, my name is Daniel Laurie. I am an outreach coordinator for an organization called Father to Father. I am a father myself. 
I don't like talking about myself, but I've actually <laughs> had the pleasure of working with Mr. Logan in the past on his show. So good looking out. And I'm happy to be here. And one more thing before that, Rajan. Yo, yeah. All right. Okay. We the, the mood is set. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. All right. So to the to the topics for this panel. Um, first of all, thank you guys again so much for joining me. I really appreciate having y'all on board tonight. Um, I, I'm not going to short y'all on time. I, I make sure I reset the clock so we have 32 minutes. I did not short y'all even though the last segment went over. Um, but as y'all can see, it's good. It's cool to disagree. We can disagree here. I don't know if we're going to disagree on these topics a whole lot, but it's, if we disagree, it's cool. All right. It's cool to, to really have the discussions as black men have them when we are in our man cave. Ain't nobody coming to you know, haul us off in, in, in a truck for what we say on this thing here. All right. So I want to start. So there's two topics we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about why did I get married or why am I single? And um, and then we're also going to talk about the absence of fathers. Um, I, I, I want to hmm, I want to start with the why did I get married? Why am I single? Because I feel like that's a, a, a lighter topic. And then we can move into the the absence, the absence mm. of the father. Because I think that gets kind of deep when, when you start talking about things. Mm. So let's do let's do uh, let's do that. All right. So let's start with um, why did I get married? If you're not married, why am I single? If you're divorced, let's talk about that as well. So let's start with uh let's start with let's start with Big L. Go ahead. I'm married, man. Uh happily married. One of the best decisions I ever made before in my life. Uh because my wife balances me out in a in a way that I needed. So to answer the question, why did I get married? I needed someone to anchor me. Uh, someone who balances me out, who is able to reel me in when I get off course, uh, a sounding board. And as a black man, I needed a safe place. I needed a place where I can go, unload, unpack without fear or worry or concern in any form or fashion. That means if I have doubts about life, uh, my religion, if I have questions about attract, being attracted to other women, hmm. being able to have real open conversations, man. Uh, and I wasn't able to find that in the dating game. The dating game today is way different than the dating game back in the day when I was younger. The way folks is doing this shit nowadays is way different, family. Uh, so I'm excited, man, and thankful to be married. Uh, and I know it sounds corny as hell, but she makes me better. All day, all day. Uh, Dig, I'm going to come to you. Okay. When I did get married, when I got married, I got married more so because I thought I knew what I was doing. Let's just say mm -hmm. that. Okay. I was a young man, mm -hmm. and you know, I was out of my parents' house, and honestly, I had a child on the way. So it was one of those things that, you know, this is right. This is what I got to do. But the thing about it was, how can a baby raise a baby and raise somebody mm -hmm. else that's coming of age? So I always say that if you're not on time with the other person, everything gets off schedule. Mm -hmm. So when I did get married, it was very much off schedule because even though we knew each other. You didn't know each other? Together, we saw each other's kinks, each other's quirks, each it was just very bad altogether. Mm -hmm. And me being who I was, I saw my parents. My parents have been married for 45 years now. And I saw my parents, and I'm trying to sit there and replicate what my parents had. Mm -hmm. And I'm not David and Diane Laurie. I'm me. So that was that. Okay. All right. So you, you were married. You got how long were you married before you got divorced? 
I stretched that thing out for six years. All right, six years. All right, cool. Let's go to Daryl. Wow, I, I can really relate to that. I've been married twice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> first time, um, you know, you think you think you know what you want, and you try to make it work. Uh, but due to circumstances, uh, it separated me from my wife at the time and my children. And then uh, a little stint went by and I ended up getting married again for the wrong reasons. When you think you know what you want, you're not sure because you don't know yourself just yet. Mm. You know, I didn't know what I didn't know myself. So I, it took me some time to realize that maybe I need to get myself together before I decide to jump back into that realm again. And once I did that, I finally found somebody who's on the same sheet of music. You know, that mm-hmm. takes a, a big thing in a relationship, whether you're not sure or not. If you're not reflecting what you're wanting from a woman and she's on that same sheet of music, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I've All been right. with this this person for like three years now. And we're about to get married and we got a son. So I'm, I'm happy. All right. Said. Good stuff. All right, Brian. Yeah. Well, I've never been married. I've been engaged once um, and I called it off. Uh, I mean, it's just one of those things. I, I, I believe that I still have some growing to do. It's not mm. an excuse. Um, mm. I haven't met um, that person that I believe, you know, I actually connect with, you know, um, I'm dating. So I definitely feel like, you know, I have someone that I can, you know, build with right now. I think that we both have, you know, some, some kinks um, in our armor or whatnot that we both can, you know, benefit and, and show each other uh, a, a different meaning on, on the things that we've learned, you know, from um, the traumas that we've both experienced in our lives, um, you know, kind of similar. So that's a cool thing, you know, because we actually get to grow and we can relate with one another and, um, you know, with some of the things that we've experienced in life. And this is real similar. So when we have conversations, uh, it, you know, it's kind of like, dang, you know, you went through that too? I, okay, I, I thought I was the only one. And mm. so, you know, at this point, um, I, I look forward to it, but it's one of those things that I believe that, um, you know, if, when the time is right, when everything aligns, mm-hmm. it will uh, happen or whatnot. So I'm not in a rush. You know, I just want to make sure that when, you know, when we get, you know, our, both ourselves together or whatnot, you know, things can align and we can go ahead and run in the sunset or whatnot. All right. All right. So, so thank, thank y'all for sharing that. Thank y'all so much for sharing that. I, I, I guess I'll go ahead and chime in. I actually um, got married right out of high school. Um, I got married 14 days after I graduated high school, um, literally. Um, and that, that marriage lasted four years. We got divorced. We have two beautiful children out of it. And um, I got married to my wife, Latoya, uh, 13 years ago um, on the 29th of this month. Um, and and uh, best decision I ever made. Um, and, and I, so I, I wanted to, you know, go ahead and say that. So as we can see, we have multiple perspectives. We have people who've been married, who are currently married, been divorced, never been married. Again, black men are not a monolith. We represent a, a, a wide array of thoughts and mindsets. I, I think it's so important that, that again, toxic masculinity, forcing this idea that black men are one thing and all black men should be this one thing. I love the perspectives here. Um, so let's go into a couple of topics, uh, uh, just surrounding a couple of questions surrounding this topic. Um, and I'll start with you, L again. Um, how, <clears throat> what do you say? You said earlier that like it's different now. Dating is different. What do you see as different now as opposed to when you were courting your wife? It's much more access now, uh, much more availability now with social media and all different types of apps. Back in the day when I was growing up, 
you had call waiting was the most technological thing that you had to worry about. And if somebody didn't have call waiting, it was a busy signal. You knew they was on the phone and you would keep coming back. Now, everybody is everywhere. Everybody's information is everywhere. And I think with that, people have gotten uh, developed a lesser or poor skill of actually communicating effectively. Uh, mm -hmm. So now we get in our feelings and in our bag when somebody clicks like on somebody else's picture. We yeah, get yeah. frustrated over simple things. Back in the day, you actually had to talk things out because you didn't see them for a while. You didn't have that type of access. And I think just in general, we live in such a, I know it's cheesy, but a microwave type of society. We want Absolutely. everything right now, right away. Mm -hmm. And folks ain't really trying to put work in no more to build things, particularly people within the black community. Yeah. When trauma is abundant. We really ain't trying to have them difficult conversations, even about our trauma in the mm. beginning stages of the courting. So we can't even move to the dating phase, can't even move to the marriage phase because y'all's too busy hiding y'all shit in the closet and don't want to have mm. open conversations. I love it. I love it. I love it. Calvin. Yes, sir. Hey, for everybody, like I said, I've been married now 15 years. Uh, my thing's a little different. Uh, when I met my wife, I was like a junior going to college. Uh, I was going my sophomore year, coming from Los Angeles, California. Uh, I know for me, I didn't marry my wife till we were dating for like two, three years. And I was deployed for about a year. Cause my gunner sergeant told me, he said, man, if this girl is really what you all about, wait on it. Mm. Give it about a year. You'd be gone for a year. So you're going to figure, figure out if that's really what you want. Yeah. Cause I know by, by marriage, marriage goes to different stages. Um, I know this, a wife should do a couple things for you. She should add to your situation. Mm -hmm. She should multiply it. She should divide the empire with you to figure out, okay, what you're good at, what I'm good at. And she should subtract things that you don't need anymore. Like when the Bible talks about he who finds a wife finds a good thing and attains favor from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, favor is not just, man, you know, because she's my wife, everything's going to be peaches and cream. Nah, it's going to be a process. Sure. So it takes a while. Like being a man, like my wife met me when I was in my early 20s. I got married at mm. 24 going on 25. I'm 39 now. We've been married 15 years. So particularly my mid-20s, all the way through my 30s, I've been married and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. The problem that I see with marriage today is that people don't it's go through different stages. No such thing as quitting in the yeah. marriage, but you got to know how it's going to work. So for me in my household, um, you're going to go through your challenges. If you say marriage is great and you never have challenges, that ain't going to last. Because I see my parents was married 24 years and they got divorced. So I know for certain that if you're saying, hey, I'm going to get married, the best thing I would say for you, if you're going to get married, if you decide to do that, be honest up front. Yeah. My fact about this, if you kill the sex out, the conversation from the jump and you say, let me get to know you for the who you are in like 90 days to six months. I promise you, you know, if that girl is truth the facts or not, because my thing about it is if we're core, if sex is what's going to keep you there. Bro, that's going to be the worst thing possible to say, mm. oh, yeah, that's going to keep that girl there. But yeah. if you can get into that girl's mind and understand how this thing works, it's a process. Like if it's about money, then then pretty much let me tell you something right now that you're not going to be married long because mm. when your money fails, 
I promise to God, if she married you for money, bruh, she'd be out the door yeah. next week. Mm. So that's the process that we have a lot is that the the people that we idolize and say, oh, that's my role model. I want to be just like such and such. Well, bro, I don't want to be like such and such because that's not a real role model because I can't obtain to that. Who's your role model? That could be the janitor, your teacher. Um, it could be your friend who's been married at that time. Get some real people who've been married. Stop being these baloney sandwiches. Um, people you see on social media or these celebrities or you say, I want to be like that person. Nah, man, be yourself because you can fail and not live to the expectation. Yeah. Your expectation is this. This is who I am. My name is Calvin. See, women fall into the dream, the vision that you create. If you tell her, hey, this is my vision. We going to do this, this, and this. This is our levels, our tiers. Then tell me what your vision is. All right, cool. If that vision works, bet. We're visionaries. That's our marriage. We're so, visionaries. That's yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that. I love what you just said mm -hmm. just now about, about the vision piece. Because so many times you talk about, you know, you guys, uh, L, uh, Big L, you talked about, uh, you know, the microwave society. Um, one thing that we're not coming into um, our marriages with, into our relationships with, and I want to come to you with this question, Brian, is a vision. What, what does us long-term working look like? And I think that's a discussion that we're leaving out of it a lot of times, especially in an era we're talking about, you know, I get on Tinder and I find this young lady or I get on, you know, uh, Plenty of Fish or I get on, you know, all these different uh, dating apps. You, you're not actually finding out who these people are. You're, you're finding out if they like sex, I guess, and you're finding out, you know, that kind of thing, but you're not actually finding like anything, you're not going into it with a vision. You, you're single, um, Brian. What, what is your thoughts on the idea of, of people not coming into relationships with the expectation of having a future vision? I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things, like for me, I believe that the, having a vision, and that's one of the reasons why I've kind of like, you know, I wouldn't say shied away from it, but I haven't really, I've been kind of dragging my feet because I, when I come into a situation, I want to kind of get, I want to get to know you, you know, I want to, you know, want to take my time. I want to be able to understand that, you know, hey, am I the, am I the person that you see, you know, who you want to build your future with? You yeah. know, what are some common goals that we may have? You know, do you, um, do you, do you want children? Um, I have a son. My son is uh, nine years old, be 10 years, uh, 10 year, years old this year or whatnot. So, do you know, do you want more children? Sometimes people get in situations and never discuss, you know, uh, hey, okay, cool. I want three kids or I envision myself having two kids. And then you got somebody that has a child and they don't even want any more kids. Mm. And so you get into this situation, you know, emotions and stuff, you know, they, they cross two, three years down the line. Then you feel like, hey, you know, she's ready to have a child or he's ready to have a child. But the other individual, they're not, they don't want any more kids. And so now you 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 come to like a cross in the road because you know hey, what do I do? Do I sacrifice and, and, and go through with something that I'm not really sold on 100%, or do I you know just take the the high road and keep pushing because it's not what I really want? Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of times people are just as my man said you know with that that uh that microwave society I, I talked about um a couple of days ago I was talking about that. I just wrote a book, and uh, my book will be out in July the 6th. And so and, and when I talked about it, I said I've been working on my book for 13 years. My mom passed when I was 13. So for me, it was more so a therapeutic situation. I started yeah. journaling. And so now, you know, 13 years in the, in, in the making, I have my book 
the product. And I said, you know, on the quote that I posted when I was promoting, I said, a lot of people may say, hey, you know, it's, it's 13 years, man. You know, it's a book. That, I said, yeah, I know it took 13 years. I said, but the thing about it is food will always come better, come taste better coming out of the oven than it will coming out of the microwave. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's a true fact. That's one thing that I believe on, you know, that I stand on and I believe. So for me, like I say, ha- right now where I'm at, I have a vision for the person that I'm dating. We, She has a vision. We're seeing and scoping things out. And we're taking our time or whatnot. And, you know, if it, as I said, if things align like they're supposed to, then, you know, hey, we, we, we'll, we'll be with each other. And, you know, we'll, God, God will, and we'll be married one day. If not, you know, I don't think that that's the end all be all or whatnot. I think we can coexist with one another, you know, without without being married or whatever. But ultimately, that would be what I, what I would like to do or whatnot. Because I feel like, you know, it's, it's right. And I believe that that's what she wants. And if she's deserving of it, and if she feels like I'm deserving to, you know, for her to call me her husband, and for, and I feel she's deserving for me to call her my wife, you know, I think that that's that's all that needs to be said. You know, let's go do it. I love that. I love that. Um, we got a minute left on this topic, so I want to get to um Digger, and I want to get to to Daryl real quick. So uh, I'll start with Daryl. Um, what are your thoughts? Um, as far as as far as I, I want to ask this question. Um, what are you said you you you've, you're in your second marriage now, correct? Well, I ended my second marriage. I'm about to get into a third. Third <laughs> Okay, cool. So what? So going into your third marriage, what are questions that you're asking? Um, maybe going into this 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 marriage that you did not consider that you learned from the previous marriages. What I've learned is that um, my previous marriage is not saying I regret them, but it taught me something. I just mainly I, I had to take the time out to to see what how she handles situations. How she reacts to certain situations because it's all it can't be always peaches and cream in the beginning, you know that's that courting stage as my man has just talked about. Uh, don't let the courting stage blind you to those those red flags that you should have paid attention in the beginning, mm-hmm. and, and be willing to make that decision whether or not you're willing to accept that reaction that she has. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, then you can easily just walk away. But if you're willing to deal with that and you see that there's potential then you can proceed to go and say, okay, I'm going to show her how real love is from a man. Because you don't know exactly how her past was with previous men. So she may have that still, may have that same reaction in the current relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's got to continue and and don't give up. I think one of you said not to give up. And that's something I'm not going to do. I'm not going to give up. And things things has been peaches not always cream but it has been peaches but i'm we're able to deal with each other on those levels and we know what lines not to cross and and how to be able to come back to talk about the situation because the number one key the key thing in it is communication yeah being I, able to to listen yeah i i absolutely agree dig i'm gonna start the next topic with you so i'm, I'm not gonna ask you about this one here but um but yeah i, I think it's very very important again black men talking about marriage we got to talk about marriage y'all we we gotta talk about marriage, and I'm, yeah. I'm gonna tell you why. And and um, Brian, you know, I, I know that you're going through your your journey of of being with your young lady, and and being you know being very thoughtful in the way that you that you that you you, you approach that situation. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Ethan up here can tell you that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you this: as somebody who's seen this happen too many times, you know, we get into the relationships with these young ladies, and then we don't marry them, and we're with them for eight, nine, ten years without marrying them, and then we die. And then the family knows that you're not married to that young lady and guess what you what that young lady is on the obituary if she's mentioned at all. She's your special friend. She feels right. like she feels like all right. the time that she's put in invested in you mm-hmm. means nothing because the family doesn't respect her at the funeral. 
you know, when it comes to, to, to dealing with your, 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 your personal effects, they, they, you, she has no consideration. So you want to make sure that, that that's something that, that I never really considered until I saw it happen a couple of times. And it may, definitely made me rethink the whole idea of let's just kick it and just be together. But that piece of paper means something, especially when you're talking about health insurance and you're talking about life insurance, you're talking about the government. I'm going to end that there and we're going to move on to the next topic. Um, again, we can talk about that one. That's something else we can, we can really talk about forever. Um, but I want to get into this final topic. This is a big topic, um, especially when we're talking about black men. Black men, um, in, in a lot of cases, you know, we're talking about, we, we know the um, prison rates. We know um, the, 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 the divorce rate. We know the, the vast majority of single parents are mothers. OK, so let's talk about the black men in the lives of the children, even if they're not in the home. Let's talk about the absence of the black father and how that impacts the child. I want to start with Daniel, Daniel um, Digalori, because he works with father to father who works specifically with fathers. So please kick it off, bro. OK, so one of the biggest issues that people don't even realize is it's a generational curse that most people can't escape. Most of the people who actually aren't great fathers never knew their father. So it's just like, if I tell you, Rajan, we're gonna play NBA 2K20, I'm an expert. And I say, we're gonna play on a team and you're the only guy that never played on the team. Are you going to be any good? What do you know about the game? Nothing. But mm -hmm. it's a situation where, you know, how can you be a father if you never had a father or never was taught how to be a father. And I know what most of you th guys are thinking, the same thing that everybody else thinks. Anybody could be a father figure. You can go talk to the janitor, you can go talk to this, so on and so on. But that guy's not home with you. When you hit the game winning shot, that janitor's not probably not at that game. You have nobody to discuss these issues with. So at what point do you decide to stop the stigma? I love it. Uh, Daryl, I want to come to you because I noticed something you're very passionate about. And feel free to, you know, I, I, we got, we got, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put it because we I'm gonna put some more time back on the clock. We're going to have 14 minutes on this topic. So hey. I'm, you know, yeah. Now I, I kind of hinted on, on uh, the stint part that I, I was uh, referring to uh, dealing with my first marriage. And that stint was when I made a mistake. I had a daughter, she was five years old at the time, and my son, he was three, going on three. So I went, I ended up going to prison for 12 years and nine months, you mm -hmm. know, two days before she turned, no, 10 days before she turned five years old. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I'm out of their lives. Did I think about them at that time? No. But I used that time when I was in prison to find out who I am. Some may say that, oh, you have to go to prison to find yourself. Sometimes you got to be putting time out because you're too busy on the street, but you're not taking time out to find out who you are. Okay. And and I took that time out to say, you know what? Started some programs, which uh, you, you talked to one of my brothers uh, that was behind the walls with me, Brian Howard. Yes, and, definitely. Uh, we, right. Brian. And we helped start that program at Allendale, you know, uh, the character program. And they started getting these programs dealing with uh, parenting you know, psychology, relationships, how to deal with relationships. And everything that I learned in that program, you know, I came home with that, but I came home with the same mentality thinking that, oh, I'm going to have my daughter back. I'm going to have my son back. No, it didn't mm. work like that. Wow. Work okay. Like that. You can't expect, okay. I, I was expecting for it to happen just like that, which I had to allow yeah. them to do it on their own time. And I can at least say now that my, my son, we having a good relationship and my daughter just recently started reaching out to me and I just got out four years ago. So there's, it, there's, that's a lot of time. I don't and mean to I'm, everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. 
I don't mean to cut anybody yeah. off, but there's a sort yeah. of resentment. I'm sorry? Times where I'm... we've had guys in prison for over 10 years. Right. And we, you know, speak to the children because we mediate also. We speak to the children. And one of the biggest issues is while he was locked up, he didn't mm. write. He didn't even show me that he cared. So mm. when you got that aspect, not only are you working with building a relationship with yourself, you while you were finding yourself, you've lost your children. Mm-hmm. But there's a way that you can bring it all back. Like I always tell people, a simple letter, or even if you were just just to sit and write and just say, this is what I was going through. My- well, I, I, I think we lost him, but um, in, in, response to the, in, in response to that, um, <clears throat> what I'm talking about is the, the physical presence and being in life, and don't say I, I, I did right. Oh, believe me, I did right. But you can't you know, make I can't. I can't make. You know, there was letters being written back, but however, I still have to deal with the presence of their mother, who's allowed allow me to or allow them to respond back. And if she finally brought them, so I can visit for them to visit me, which is the best thing I ever had, you know. But it was me mentally going from. Me seeing him as a child, a little a toddler, to them seeing him as a teenager, you know, that's a psychological thing that a person in prison has to go through. Because the last thing you knew is how you talked to them when they were young. They're teenagers. Now they're grown, you know. But I also had to understand that they had to go through something by me being separated from them. Mm. I, had to, I had to understand that. At first, I could not wrap my fingers around it. But then I had to sit back and say, you know what? It's not their fault. But they may be thinking that it is their fault. And I said, I let him know that, hey, it's not your fault. It has nothing to do with you. I made a mistake, not you. Yeah. And and to speak on my brother up top from Philadelphia, my mom stays up there. You know, I used to live up there. And um, she told me, she said, you can't get, when you get out, you can't rush it. You got to allow things to happen in its own due time. Because if you try to rush it, you're going to push them away. Yes. And I want to make sure I get everybody else involved in the conversation. I don't want everybody to walk out. (laughs) Um, so, uh, Calvin, um, what are your yeah. thoughts about, you know, about the father being in the home, the importance of the father being, if not in the home, in the child's life? Well, I've been an educator off and on for, since I've been 21. Um, so I've been off and on in the school system and plus my military experience. What I can tell you, this is the problem. The father in the home is one of the biggest key pieces because when a child is born, who's their first two teachers, their mother and their father? Mm-hmm. If the father is not absent, this is what happens with a little girl. A little girl, her first love is going to be her daddy. That's her first love. It's her opposite sex. Who you can say, I can come to a dad, I can give him a hug, and I'm not uh, scared of anything. When when my little girl hugs me, I can I can tell when she was born. But when she hugs me, it's not like a fear factor. She knows that when I come home, my dad, my father. So the difference between a dad and a father. Father's the one who. You got it under control. So a father can make a lot of things. That's the first love. For a son, his other love is his father because he has to know what it's like to cry and it's okay to come to dad just like you come to mom. Same thing. You got to learn how to – like a son cannot know how to teach a woman, not to treat a woman unless he sees how his daddy does it. So if there's no father absent the figure, what's happening? You're learning from just a woman's perspective and that there's no male figure in, in the room. Mm-hmm. If you like from an educator's perspective, there's a difference between being a male teacher and a female teacher. Absolutely. Huge difference. Because what happens is 
when a father is present and happens all the time in the school system, because I get very involved in my kids' education, when you say you're the father and you're coming to your child's school and you putting in more work just as much as my wife does, say, oh, wow, you're the father. Yes, I'm, I'm the father. They're not fatherless. So if you got a problem, you call me. Just like you call my wife, you will call me because a father bridges the gap. If you ever see two young boys getting at it and a, and a man steps in, what happens? They'll be like, okay, a male stepped in. Just like, you know, females need a perspective too. So I believe this, that if a male is present, I'm not saying like every male, like if you're not married, say for instance, like, hey, you don't have any kids or say you got kids, right? And this is the, your girl's at this spot, your child's at the other spot. And hey, you're not married to her. But you got to be the father in that kid's life. You got to tell that young lady like, hey, we may not be, we're not together, but my responsibility is my seed. And I'm going to take care of my seed. A father has to be present because yeah. a lot of times when people say like, man, my daddy wasn't there. I can't, oh, he never was there. But my kid's going to say my father's there for every step of the way. Because yeah. what happens is as your kids get older, they come back to you. That's how your grandkids, that's how you build a, a, a generational wealth. You see it all the time in the Jewish community. You see it all the time in the Asian community. You see it a lot in the Native American community. A male figure is highly respected. When the father lays his hand, his, his foot down, everybody be quiet. I'm not saying be the dictator, but it's a respect level. A father should change the atmosphere. You, If you are a true father... And you step into the situation, it should automatically change. It's like a mother should take. So I believe this. Without a father present, I'm not saying you can't be successful. But you've got to have some type of male figure through the way to guide you to get to that next level. It may be that janitor that spent some time with you while in elementary school behind the scenes. I can testify to that. My father was present. It may be that coach on the basketball team who say, you know what? I'm going to take a little, t little time with little Johnny after the game. Maybe I need to spend some more time because the mother's not present. Because being a, a coach myself, I see it all the time that you see you don't see the male present. The woman's doing all the work. Or you see like where the father's doing all the work and the male may not be there, but the father's put in the work. That's why as fathers, you got to create a balance. And I believe at the fathers of 2020 change this generational curse. And we as like another thing is, too, we got to change Hollywood's perspective of a mm. black male. Yeah. Kill all these shows that you never see a black male married or single. Do a great job as a father. Yeah, we always yeah. the bad dead beats or you hardly never see our story. So yeah. we got to first change the narrative. Like, hey, there's a lot of great fathers out here. We not be broadcasting our stuff, but hey, give us some love. It's not yeah. just mothers out there putting the work, but it's fathers. So it's got to be a balance. So I believe if we create that balance, then I believe we can change the generation to come and for those moving forward. So that's my personal take on that. Word. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I want to make sure. So we only got six minutes left in this in this segment. So we everybody can't talk for, for, for 12 minutes about, about the topic. But I, I know my people. I know what we do. And that, this is why I want to make sure that we're diving into the topics. We're, 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 of course, we can't dive deep into the topics just because of the fact of the time limits. And I don't want this to be an 18-hour podcast. I was literally on a um, – sorry, I got I to say this real quick. I, I won't count it from y'all's time. I was, on a, I was on a show the other night. 
And I was literally on until like two o'clock in the morning. I was like, I'm never doing this again. So <laughs> I, I, I want to make sure I stay pretty, pretty close to the time. Um, I want to come to L. Um, father, impact of a father in your life. Let's let's talk about what was your father in your life growing up. If he was, what did that do for you? If he wasn't, what did that mean to you? Well, I think that's a thing that we have to discuss, the presence of poor or piss poor fathers. Mm. There's this this thought process that just because you have a person with a penis in a home, that all of a sudden everything in a home is balanced out and everything is smooth, that we just come innately prepared to be fathers and great dads. That's one of the biggest things in our community that we really have to address. The fact that even if you are one who procreates with someone, that does not immediately make that you're going to be a good dad. That's a skill that is developed over time. Me, my dad was a heroin addict. All Mm. my life. So he was in the home, present, but did a piss poor job. So I leave home, go live with an aunt whose aunt was, um, her husband was ultra super religious. So I go from one place where there's no boundaries to another home where it's super boundaries. So I'm getting all these mixed messages from these Mm. men. One man was a piss poor provider. Another one was a great provider, but he wasn't able to give me the emotional things that I need. So I say it often to say, let's be careful when we start making that statement in bold and in cement that just because there's a man in the house that it equates success. That's really not true because we don't come equipped with the skills to become good fathers, particularly men who in our community, who is overwhelmingly dealing with trauma, childhood Mm. trauma, generational trauma, racial trauma, every form of damn trauma you can think of, we're battling. So that plays a part in how we parent. We got to be able to address those things also. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, And again, I think, again, multiple perspectives, the fact that just because the dad's there, doesn't mean a dad's a good dad. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. If you're not a good dad, do better. All right, Brian, did you have your father in your life? If so, how did that impact you? If you did not have your father in your life, if, how did that impact you? Well, I didn't. I didn't have my father in my life. I, um, I grew up single-parent home. Um, again, my mom passed when I was 13. Did it affect me? Um, I'm sure it did affect me. But what it did make me was when I... When I, I said to myself one day, I said, you know, one day when I have children, I'm going to be a better individual than what my father was. Mm. And so, you know, I made that that vow to myself. You know, when my when my son was born, well, before my son was born, um, you know, his mom asked me, you know, we were, we, we were dating. Um, we were in a relationship and we had, you know, it was rocky. So we had a little, you know, a little breakup or whatnot. And she asked, she said, well, I'm pregnant. And she said, you know, do you want me to keep it? And I said, what do you, what do you mean? Said, yeah, you know, I said, you know, I, I'm a man of, you know, of, of respect. And I want to make sure that I, you know, I, I I take care of any responsibility that I have or whatnot. So yeah. I was at every every visit, you know, every every doctor visit. You know, I was in the hospital. When my son came home, I was, you know, I was the individual. I made I made bottles, you know. I felt like, hey, she carried them for nine months. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you some of the time back just by, you know, by giving you the ability, you know, to, 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 to rest or whatnot, you know, I'm gonna make these bottles. I'm gonna get up in the middle of the night, change these pampers or whatever. Mm. So I just, you know, I kind of was like a, 
I overcompensated, but in, in a good way, you know, in a good way. You know, my son now, like I said, we, me and his mom are not together, but I still hold hold myself to that vow because every in every you know extracurricular activity that he's a part of, I coach his baseball team. When he has events at school, I'm there. Um, you know, because I said it, I always I didn't want my son, even though I'm not in his household, I didn't want my son to grow up and 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 not and not know. You know, hey, does, does does my dad even love me? Does my like is, do I even have a dad? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I grew up and I thought it was just like a figment of my imagination. You know, you hear about him, but hell, you get on the porch, he's supposed to come. You look at every car go by, like, oh, did they him? That look like the car. Oh, that yeah. never come. You know, you go back, pack your stuff up, going back in the house. I never wanted that for my son. You know, my son. When I tell him I'm come, I'm do something. I do it. You know, because he's gonna hold me to that. And you know it's, it's it's been a beautiful thing because like I say, I tried to introduce um, you know my father into my son's life and whatnot, and he, and I thought that you know what this may make him a better individual. We didn't have a great relationship, but having his grandson in his life may you know may help and shape him and mold him a little bit. He may come around. It didn't work that way, and I chalked it up. I said you know sometimes people you can't. We want stuff for people that we want things for people more than they want them for themselves sometimes. And it's just something he can't mm. like he's able to procreate. He just can't, you know, he's not gonna be a father, whether I don't care how you shape it, cut it, mold it, it's just not in him. And so I had to sever ties with the relationship. Again, you know, and I did it but for the sake of like, hey, I found some closure. I found closure within it, you know, within bringing him into my son's life. But at the same time, I said I will not allow the inconsistencies. And so I had, you know, several ties or whatnot. And I mean, again, you know, my son, he's he's a straight A student, you know, plays baseball. I mean, he's thriving or whatnot. So I know that me being in his life, me being present, you know, is it's a blessing for him. And um, you know, it's just not having my father taught me so much. But again, you know, with my book, I wrote about it. I've healed, you know, and I like I said, it's a lot of things I learned from my mother. I learned how to be an affectionate individual. Yeah. I learned how to be in tune with my emotions. And so, you know, again, I have had, you know, different, like my man said, you got one end on one, one end of the spectrum. You got, you know, a, a piss poor individual on another end. You got an individual that's good, but just can't really give you what you need. I've, I'm at a place in my life where I found a balance. And, um, you know, I mean, it's just from here it's on up or whatnot. So, you know, I'm blessed and I'm trying to pass those blessings and, and you know, and that what I've learned to the next person who I've, whoever I come in contact with that, you know, that may need that. All right. Yo, man, well said. Well said. Um, We really at the end of our time. I, I hate that we are because this is such a great topic and this is something we could talk about, you know, for another two, three hours if we wanted to, for sure. But I want to do this. I want to give you guys the opportunity to give, you know, parting thoughts on the topic um, of fatherhood. And I, I would like it if you could do it in 30 seconds or less. So um, I'll start with... I started with Big L the first time, so I'm gonna start with uh, uh, Mr. Darrell the first time. Oh, um, my thoughts on that just based about the impact of the father being in the household, the lack thereof. I mean, I didn't have mine in my household. I had to learn some type of way, but I made sure I learned from those who had some positive uh, feedback that are something I can feed off of to be a good man. So that's my thoughts on that. All right, thank you so much, Brian. I say that um you know, the fatherhood and having you know having a great father figure in your life is a great thing. However, we know that there's a lot of individuals out here that you know you're not their father or whatnot. So I always say being a great male role model or male you know individual so that somebody can look look upon 
that's what I aim to do. I'm going to be a father to my son. I'll be a father to any other individual that I come across. But ultimately, I know that I'll be a great male role model in that person's life and whatnot. So that's that's how I actually move. And you, you didn't tell us the name of your book. What's the name of your book? Oh, the uh, name of my book, Feel No Shame. Um, I said it, come, it comes out July the 6th. I'm wrong. July 13th. I will be shipping it out for those that pre-ordered July the 6th. But title, Feel No Shame. Um, you will be able to find it on um, Amazon and you will be able to order it through Barnes and Noble. But right now I have it exclusively on my website so that I can bring that traffic, get those emails and collect that data or whatnot so that I can, you know, market back to those individuals. But and it's titled Feel is, No Shame. And your website is? My website my website is www.restinparis, R-E-S-T-I-N-P-A-R-I-S dot store, S-T-O-R-E. Yes. All right. Cool, man. Thank I, you I, for I, that. I'm going to plug it, man. Plug your stuff. All right. Digger Jones. First thing first, I want to thank you for having me on the show. So that was good. And I don't want to run too much time off. If you're an absent father and you know where your children are, you got to understand that all starts with a conversation. The journey of a thousand miles begins with an empty tank of gas. Just always remember that. Mm, mm, I love that. Thank you. Power, what you got? Power, Calvin, Logan, that's you, buddy. He looks frozen. Calvin, yeah. Calvin. Can you hear me? Can On what? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You right here? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. All right. Yes. This is Calvin Logan again with the Logan Power Show. Um, what I would say about fathers, you want to break the generational curse. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is if you say like, hey, your father wasn't in your life and now you're a father, just do better and pay it forward. So yeah. paying it forward means that set the example. Um, for me, I have a great father. My father's still in my life. I thank God for him. My mother died. Like Brother Brian said, the 13, my mother died when I was 19. So I had to become an adult early in the game. Right, 19 in Los Angeles, California. So I know the importance of fathers. I have plenty of fathers to be able to guide my life. So there's a difference between a daddy and a father. A daddy means you had sex with it. That's your dad. But a real father is one who takes the responsibility for some somebody that may not be not be blood related. You just got a passion just to help people. So I, I put I eager all you gentlemen, you guys are doing some great things. I pray to heaven's best for you. But I just want the fathers for us to let's step our game up. If we see a brother that's struggling, instead of talking about him, let's pick him up and try to give him the tools needed to be become back on track. That's how I look at it. So let's pay it forward, right. gentlemen. To God be the glory. How can you find your show? The Logan Power Show. My website, www.thelogampowershow.us. We are on Comcast Xfinity, uh, channel 230. So definitely catch us out. If you want to be a guest on the show, email us the Logan Power Show at gmail.com. We have radio every Thursday on uh, Alation's Radio. Uh, so definitely, hey, we love you. We love this being a part. Uh, Rajan Lewis, man, I thank you from the bottom of my heart as being with the show. And like these gentlemen here, like Mr. Daniel Laurie, uh, he came on my show, Father Father. Rajan's been on my show. Uh, we're making a difference. And these are the type of broadcasts we want to show. So, hey, again, the Logan Power Show. Email us the Logan Power Show at gmail.com. God bless yes, you. Thank you, bro. All right, Big L. As our ancestor, Frederick Douglass, once stated, without struggle, there's no progress. So my words of encouragement, enlightenment to all of the brothers who are on the path of fatherhood is to simply take a step, man. Take a step. Mm. 
That's all I have. How Oh yeah, man. Uh, in the blackpodcast.com, man. Come through, check us out, like us, love us, listen, all that good stuff, man. I appreciate yes, it. In sir. the black podcast. Yes, sir. We may have to do some cross one time, man. I got I got I got uh um uh shoot, hope I, Jillian. She she's been telling me all about you, so we definitely got a link. I gotta get you on the show. We can we can do some cross promotion. I got Let's you, do man. It, bro. You already know, you already know. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining me, man. Like this tonight's been the first night of the show. If you guys enjoyed it, hit me with some likes, hit me with some hearts or whatever that stuff is that they do on these on these channels. Um, I, I, I enjoy these discussions. Every single discussion was robust. Um, robust. We we dug deep. We 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 really put some thought into this stuff, and we we are. I think we're we're starting to have conversations as men that we have to have. We're gonna have to have these conversations in a way where the world knows that black men like us exist. We exist. We are here. We are husbands. We are fathers. We are writers. We are are we are here to, to be heard, to be seen, and we are here to make a difference. So I want to make sure that Toxic or Not is, is an opportunity for, to, for us to do this. I will be doing this again next month. I already have it on the calendar. Let me give you all the date um, while I pull it up. It is going to be the third Saturday of every month. It's going to be Toxic or Not. Um, we'll probably have some of the same panelists next time, and we'll probably get some new guys in as well. If you're interested in doing it, I will be putting a form on my um, on my uh, my, my uh, website www.realtalkwithrajan.com. Um, yeah, so next next month is gonna be on January. I'm uh, sorry, June twentieth from seven to nine p.m. June twentieth from seven to nine p.m. And with that being said, let me get my music so I can close. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Sean June for the music. I appreciate you, bro. Thank you all so much for joining this week. Reminder that I do my local celebrity spotlight every Wednesday night from 7 p at 7 p.m. where I interview my local celebrities and my unsung heroes. Um, next week, I will not be doing a show on uh, Wednesday night because that's my grandma's birthday. And we do stuff for my grandma on my grandma's birthday. Um, so we're not going to have that. But this Saturday night, I am bringing back the singer's room. So if you are a singer, I want you in the room. I need my vocalist. I also want some rappers to show up. We need, we got all these people to talk, but they can rap. I want some rappers to show up in the singer's room and give me a look, give me a couple of verses. Try to keep them clean if you can. If you can't, keep them as clean as you can possibly keep them. If you are doing something in the community that you would like a light shined on, reach out to me on my website. That's www.realtalkwithrajan.com so we can discuss getting you on the show. This and all of my shows, in addition to the Car Chronicle series, is now available for your listening pleasure via Apple, Google, Spotify, and any place you can find podcasts. You can also find it on my website, www.realtalkwithrajan.com. If you'd like to be made aware of of when I go live, because sometimes it is unscheduled, please be sure to click the follow tab or the subscribe tab and turn on the notifications so that you will know when something new has been posted to the page. In the meantime, please follow me on social media to stay up to date on what's happening with Real Talk with Rajan. On Twitter, I am at Real Talk Rajan. Facebook, Real Talk with Rajan. YouTube, at Real Talk Rajan. Follow me on YouTube. I am way too dope to have 70 followers. Y'all got to do better than that. Periscope, Real Talk with Rajan. And Instagram, Real Talk Rajan. Feel free to leave comments, questions, whatever else you'd like to say in the comment section or the message section. I leave, I love reading your mess- messages and getting your feedback, even if it's negative. I also would appreciate it if you are listening to this or watching this, that you leave a review on my page or on my Instagram page. Um, I'm also accepting uh, event hosting opportunities. Um, so www.realtalkforvision.com. Um, in closing, 
Thank y'all so much for watching. This has been dope. Thank you to every single panelist that came on. You guys are dope. Thank you to everybody who watched. You guys are dope. I'm dope. God's dope. We're always remember God is everything. Without him, we are nothing. So never forget where your help comes from. And if a man doesn't stand for something, he's bound to fall for anything. Now that is real talk. I will see y'all next week. Peace. Blessings. <laughs>